footy and frothies. We're in virtual land today. Barney and Daggy joined once again by Ollie, who's back from wherever he was last week. Uh, seeing a movie, weren't you, Oliver? Yes, I was. The new Ant-Man movie. I was in the quantum realm. That's why I got stuck there, but I'm out now, so oh, thank God. I'm back. Um, quick review. I thought it, it, it was pretty good. It wasn't like amazing. It's not like a five-star groundbreaking film or anything, but it's it's more of a setup film. You know what I mean? Because you know how obviously the Marvel movies are all connected. They're all setting up to something else. It was a, it was a good setup to to something to come later down the line. So if you're keeping in in track with the the Marvel story at the moment, as I am, definitely go along and see it. Beautiful. And how's Barney? Yeah, good. Mate. Just been, I was just spent a bit of time with you. Watched this footy over the weekend, which is enjoyable. So, yeah, life soldiers on. Ollie was there too. Yeah, was it as a job with him as well? Yeah, one day. He only, he only turns up one. Cow back up for Ollie. Uh, anyway, um, what do you <laughs> make of it all? Actually, yeah, Ollie, it's a really us... good film. Yeah, go on, sorry. We've got to get used to this freaking Zoom stuff again. <laughs> go on. Go, Barn, what are you going to say? No, no, there's some very... Um... Very enjoyable football. Uh, I think majority of teams perform pretty well as well. Obviously, um, you know, a lot of the, the big names only get half an hour or so of footy, so you get to see them and then the young kids coming through. But there was one or two performances that left, that, uh, left some fans a bit upset. Well. And Ollie, what do you take immediate reactions from last week? And you didn't get to talk really about round one, probably. It's a long way in the rear vision mirror now and doesn't really matter. And uh, I think you're teaching, treating the whole sort of trial setup as a bit of a grain of salt exercise anyway but any takeaways you didn't get to touch on last week uh not really any takeaways from the first round that'll impact the season too much because as trials usually are for most teams that first week of the trials was sort of for the the underneath guys the guys coming through the system all the guys on the periphery that'll probably be playing reserve grade for most of this season so i didn't really take much away in terms of um how it may impact the upcoming season, but definitely this past week, I made pretty much a full squad for every team, if not a, a couple of players missing. But yeah, I think this week was probably a bit, a bit more of an indicator. Yeah. Yeah. Fair call. I think uh, as Barnes said, there's a few that I think by now can be starting to get nervous if they weren't already. And lots of boxes ticked as we'll get to, as we run through uh, each and every game, we'll touch on some news. First of all, just quickly, some housekeeping. Everyone joining us uh, across everywhere, Spotify, but I know YouTube um, had quite a few new subscribers lately. If you've got a Supercoach League you're looking to fill, uh, give us a shout-out in the comments either on social media or on uh, YouTube, and we'll either jump in and you can take us Pelicans on, or we can spread it on to the rest of the group and um, hopefully find you a few, fill those last couple of spots in your leagues. Uh, let us know there. Um, let's get to... Some signing news. Very quickly, the Herald's reported this afternoon that Mitch Moses will stay at Parramatta for allegedly around 1.25 after turning 1.25 a year for essentially the rest of his career after turning down, I think it was 1.3 for the Tigers, which wasn't as big or as much of a difference as I guess purported in some some parts. Uh, initial thoughts there, Ollie. It's a little bit of a surprise because I thought when Dylan Brown re-signed, I thought Moses would be going. 
that's not necessarily to say that I thought he would be going to the Tigers. Um, the Dolphins are rumored a little bit. The Bulldogs, I didn't really know where he was going to go, but I thought, okay, he's, he's probably going to move on from Parramatta now because if we look at Mitch Moses, every time his contracts come up, he always goes into the last year of his contract and then there is some... I'm not going to say controversy, but th- there's always a story, right? Because I remember when he for when he left the Tigers originally, um, there were the talks that he was going to sign with Parramatta. Then he got an offer from the Tigers, but wanted to wait and see what he was getting offered elsewhere. Then went back to accept the original offer, and it was off the table. And he ended up at Parramatta. And then, of course, uh, what was it last year? two years ago uh, with the whole Brisbane Broncos situation where he might've been signing with the Broncos. And at one point, at least we heard that apparently he was going to the Broncos and he may have agreed to go to the Broncos in principle. And it, it, yeah, Moses is someone who weighs his options up very heavily. And it seems that, um, and I don't have anything against anyone who goes after money or anything at all, but it does seem like he, he likes to weigh up how much he's going to get out of a contract and, what he can actually get out of it on the field. And I think because this uh, offer from the Tigers, as you said, wasn't too uh, different or so much larger than the offer that he got from Parramatta, he probably thought he's better off staying at the Eels. Fine. Yeah, well, I said to um, a few of the guys that we talked to about this stuff, the longer it went on, sort of as soon as we got to Christmas or past Christmas time, I was getting more and more certain that he was going to stay at Parramatta. Um, the money that sort of Dylan Brown did take sort of made me think about, rethink it a fraction. But yeah, the, the longer it went on and the closer it got to the start of the season, I was, I was getting pretty confident that he was going to stay at Parramatta, um, especially with Dylan Brown now confirmed there for the next four or five years as well. So he knows who his, um, his playing partner is going to be for the next, next, uh, for his next contract. And um, yeah, unless the money was massively different, he was going to get at Parramatta. I, I think he's pretty happy. It's it's a negotiating uh, negotiating tactic the way he does his deals and he drags them out as long as he can to see get every last scrap off the table. But yeah, I agree. I think, no, I think that's what it has been. It's um, I'd say Dese Isaac is it Isaac is still his manager? Is he banned? Whoever it is these days is well, um, one of his mates might be. <laughs> is uh as would have gone back and forth a few times just to get that extra hundred and fifty from Para, but. Good luck to him. It's good for. I think it's not a bad thing for both parties. I think it's good for Parramatta. It's good for Mitch Moses and and nothing ventured, nothing gained for the Tigers. They still got one point five to spend. They're gonna whether they do now look at George Williams, whether they do now keep an eye on a certain halfback, maybe living around Tempe at the moment that uh, might not be too happy with the way things are going at Cogra. Whether you know whether there's other options on the table, whether they look elsewhere and look for a fullback. I don't know. So that's all to play out. Um, Obviously, some good stuff, you know, not going to get down about it. So, uh, like I said, I don't think there's any real losers. We all move on, and um, good luck to them. Other signing news from the weekend. Dom Young, again, reportedly, haven't seen an official announcement, but reportedly set to join the Roosters from next year, turning down 500 a year at the Knights. So the Sombrero lives on. Yeah, good player. You'll be fine at the Roosters. Yeah, definitely on an upward trajectory as well. Looks like he's uh, definitely gained momentum. In the last 12 months, the first year was a bit rocks and diamonds, but definitely definitely getting uh, a lot uh, lot sharper in his skill set. Um, yeah, you can pick up for the Roosters. Well, any dad? Cool. Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a solid signing for the Roosters. I've just been trying to think of 
where sorry, I think that it might have cut out a little bit there, but yeah. I just um in terms of where he fits into that side, I guess does that mean maybe next year, which is when he's believed to be joining the Roosters, is that when maybe a, a Teddy gets moved into the halves and a possibly a Sawali or Joseph Manu moves to fullback and there's a bit of shifting around the edges there. So Dom Young can play on the wing because right now the way the, the, the Sydney Rooster side setting up for 2023, I mean, they, they've got wingers um, set in stone there. So I think um, that might be in that signing might be a bit indicative of um, the, the sort of midterm plans for the Roosters next year. I would suggest so, or one of them's on the way out. Potentially, Kiri. Yeah, I think Paulo and Alan are probably just a stop uh, a filling role at the moment. Obviously, one or not both of them move on next year when someone comes in. Yeah, yeah. And um, just another couple of quick news. I've just seen that Corey Pakes has re-signed with Brisbane for another two years, and Adam Dewey extended for another year with the Tigers to just uh, at least take his name off the table there. Good, good. Judiciary news is uh, everyone got off, everyone got fined. Rapana, probably indicative of how well they're, well, they are serious about dropping, you know, last year's rap sheets because uh, Rapana got off for a couple of high shots. Sutton, King, Crossland or copped a fine from the weekend. Obviously not much doing early at the Judiciary, boys. Ollie. No, not really. Well, sorry, last year we seemed pretty content with letting people off with the fine. Yeah. If there's any way they can do it. Yeah. Uh, injury news. Unfortunately, Taylor May's out for the year with an ACL. Uh, no good for Penrith. Obviously, we'll get to see probably Taruva, uh, possibly even McLean in that spot as we get through the year. So not panic stations, but obviously unfortunate as well. Uh, TPJ looks like he may be out for a few weeks now with his calf uh, from what I was reading today. So slow start for him at the at the uh, dogs. Uh, Kenny Mamalo did a, another knee uh, on the weekend. I think that's about four from the last four games he's played. Edric Lee out for the first three or four weeks, which opens up, I suppose, Jack Bostock for those super coach cheapy hunters. And speaking of which, Josh Schuster is going to be out round one, calf injury. So, so super coach cheapy hunters might be hunting at least for another week there. Uh, any yeah, thoughts on any of them, Barn? Well, Cooper, to me, looked like he was probably starting to put a bit of pressure on already and the season hadn't even started, to be honest. So I think Schuster's probably only two or three bad games away from Cooper Johns pushing him back into the back row anyway. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a blow, especially for the Bulldogs. Um, they look quite good in patches, uh, or definitely to start the game last week and, and the week before. And that injection of size and you know, strength off the coming into this week would have been a big one for him. It's probably going to hurt him a little bit just to start off the season. But, um... Nothing to add there, Al? Not really. I think uh, I have to agree with Barney as well, and we'll obviously get to it when we cover the Manly Roosters game. But I, I thought Cooper Johns was really good in that game. So if he can repeat that in round one, I, I don't think it's panic stations for Manly. And the Penrith situation, I think it, it seems... Um, pretty resolved already. I think Taruva just comes in for tail and May. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's a wrap of the news. Just a little kick up for Taylor and May, who's actually looking like a really exciting prospect, second year coming in. So that sets his sort of development back 12 months, unfortunately. But 
yeah, still only young. He'll um, have plenty yeah, of absolutely. footy ahead of him. Hopefully the rehab goes well for him. All right, well, the pre-season challenge is in the books. Let's get into the looking back at the what we look learnt from each game as I tick that over. That's better. I can hear myself. Uh, we kick off, or it kicked off Friday night at 6 p.m. with 36 to 14. Newcastle looking uh, less than inspiring for the most part, let's say. Did you do stats on any of this, Barn, or are we just uh, rattling off like No, no, no we'll go back into the stats next week, and I'll, I might even try and shorten them up a bit this year. Beauty. So, it, um, yeah, just spill on each game. Cool. No, you're right. It, um, well, as I said, it was um, a pretty good showing from Parramatta, I thought, getting a few guns mm. back this week, Barn. We'll start with Newcastle, though. Uh, we've been concerned since our long preview. We've been concerned a little bit last week. Are we even more concerned now? Well, I thought their forwards probably won the first 15 or 20 minutes. I thought Newcastle were probably on top there. Uh, Couple of nice touches early from uh, you know from Miller and Ponga, but um, yeah, they, I thought their forwards were winning winning that battle for fifteen minutes or so. But as soon as the rotation came on, Parramatta's um, the, the the depth just fell away from that Newcastle pack. And if Newcastle Newcastle's um, really need to find some kind of creativity for just to support that back line. There's a couple of guys out there that can score points, but they're just getting no decent ball or being put in any decent positions at the moment, which is absolutely killing. Yeah, well, Marzo is probably a standout when speaking of that, and it, um, I don't know how much clean service he gets over the course of a year, but um, did a lot of bullying work, and I thought it was just about their best on field, you'd say, Ollie. Yes, I would say Greg Marzu was quite good for his new club, the Newcastle Knights. That um, he, he was contracted at the Titans, by the way. Everyone knows this, but he they released him. Though the Titans will probably re- release Pereira before the season starts to him as well. But uh, he, he was obviously amazing. Just the size as well. For I, I, I have no doubts that he won't be a winger for his entire career. Um, he's just got that size where he could maybe move into the back row. Maybe not, obviously not yet, but in a couple of years or so. But um, yeah, it was it was great watching him, uh, especially when you're right. There was so little coming from other areas uh, for Newcastle, especially towards the end of that first half and throughout the second half. Uh, any other takeaways, Barn? We saw 40 minutes of Ponga in the front line. Uh, some some nice touches, but. Already defence yeah, is a concern. To, he's going to have to get a couple of bodyguards on either side of him because there was a hell of a lot of first up missed tackles, one on one tackles from Ponga. Uh, Miller seemed to add a little bit. He, he really looked to me like the only one who was creating any sort of crea- uh, creativity and opportunities for his outside backs. But it's just that fraction small. He got driven back quite a few times, I noticed, where, where they picked him up and dragged him five, ten metres backwards, which obviously doesn't help. It sort of slows everything down a little bit there. Um, <clears throat> Hastings just sort of blended into the background again. Um, I'm not sure if he's been told to sort of try and hands off a little bit to start the season or uh, what that's about, but I expected a, a bit more of an impact out of him, to be honest, to start the season. He's a funny one because he, and he, it's, he, the more he went on at the Tigers, it's almost like he started touching balls for the sake of touching balls rather yeah. than having meaningful touches. And it already felt that way, I reckon, 20 minutes into this game. And then for Ponga to go off at half time, I thought, well, my takeaway was they probably hooked him then because they didn't need the whole a week explaining how he can't defend in the front line. 
because um, I would have thought a new spine you'd try and get at least at fifty minutes an hour out of out of it, especially when you hadn't really seen. Different if you'd seen four magic combinations come off. You'd go, oh, there it is. We don't need to worry. Um, yeah, you're right. And so I I suspect it's more of the the defensive issues than anything, and just not wanting to deal with that commentary for a week. Um, and yeah, I I just don't quite know. So there's some good kicky. Some of his final tackle options were fine. Hastings. There's a lot of the like he's yeah. a, he's a good football. I just don't quite know. Yeah, I, I hope his role's not subject to just part. You know, shoveling balls onto backline players or touching Jeez. having that first touch for the sake of touching it. Um, Jack John's good again. And well, well, yeah, they could probably really use him to be honest. Uh, and yeah, any Ollie, anything else you want to take away from the, the Knights team? From the Knights, not really. As you said, Ponga, he didn't really do too much to get Newcastle supporters excited about his prospects playing at six. But again, it's only well, it was only half a game. But um, other than Marju, I, I honestly think there's no real, no real complete standouts for the Knights in this game. Barn? Yeah, no, Frizzell did his job like he always does. Batman uh, Best had one or two nice touches, a couple of nice runs. Uh, and, but I think, yeah, Jack Johns was probably their best forward. Daniel Saifidi, if he played longer minutes, probably would have been the standout. But um, didn't play massive minutes in this game. And, yeah, the, the creativity for me is the biggest thing coming out of this one night. There's, there only seems to be limited points of attack and they're not really firing at all. I, mean, I know it's a trial. It's only pre-season, as everyone says, and it's a trial match, but you would have liked to have seen them probably cut open the, the defence a couple more times than what they did. My other big concern for Newcastle is um, is their, is their defence. That was average, very average at times, uh, and not just talking about one-on-one, but uh, their... It's one thing the week before when we sort of said the Tigers had no defensive structure with the kids and were just getting stripped on the side and that sort of thing. Um, this looked like their structure was in place and it just looked like people weren't aiming up. It was like people going around them, people going through them. Um, it looked, at the back end, it looked like they could score with Will, just that sort of two-off-the-ruck sort of back row line. They were scoring, whoever was running through that hole was scoring at points there. Um, that was real concerning to me. I think it's going to be a pretty common thread throughout the season, to be honest. Something changes. Yeah, what's going to change? Anything to add on Newcastle before we get to Para? No. It was a Mitch Moses show for Parramatta for the most part. He looked uh, fantastic. He looked fit. He looked fresh. He looked fast. And now he's um, re-signed. It, well, a bit of a shame for the Tigers fans, but he was... Um, it was very good signs. The combination with Brown was there. Uh combination with uh, Gutherson was there. Still some work to be done with the hooker, but I'm sure that'll come into line. And I thought given they were missing, uh, and will be missing, Sean Lane as well, um, the back row was pretty good. Hopgood looks a great asset. I think he's going to become a very, very good first-grade player. Ollie, I think at this point he's probably the one. Now, obviously, with Madison, um, Parramatta using him in a variety of ways, sometimes off the bench um, at lock, but you'd have to think he's the one who's going to be replacing Madison for the first few weeks. So, um, and I think, I think he's earned it as well. Of course, there was all the hype during the off season, particularly around him coming from Parramatta. Uh, But he, he showed it, he proved himself. I'd say probably the best forward out there. Um, If not, it'd be Regan Campbell-Gillard who also had a really good game, but I'd have to say it was Hopgood who stood out and um, 
we didn't talk about him a whole lot last year at times. He was a bit off, but I thought at least in this game, Clint Gutherson, um, a pretty big performance as well, which, and we've spoken about it, how at Parramatta, it seemed to be for a while where every week one of their players in the spine would have a huge performance, but the others were sort of at least uh, sort of in the background a bit. But I thought both Moses, Moses was the standout, but Moses and Gutherson both had a really good game in that one. And off the back of that, uh, Dylan Brown just did what he needed to. Yeah, no, 100% correct. I, I can't really say anything else apart from what you guys have said, to be honest. Uh, I thought Jack Murchie was probably pretty good. Uh, I dare say he'll find himself, himself a spot in the 17 for the majority of the season, season even when Madison does come back. Um, and he's he's one that can sort of fill that lock back row position for play pretty much anywhere in the forwards, really. You could probably push him up into the front row at a pinch if you needed to. But I dare say he'll find himself a spot in the 17. Sean Russell was good, considering he had pretty yeah. much all last year off with the, the nasty injury at the start of the season. And looks like he's probably firming for a spot on the wing uh, outside Sibo there, uh, on the other side to Sibo. And, um, yeah, I think I think your point on Guffey was good. I thought he got involved at the right times and sort of laid off when he needed to. Didn't he? But parts of the game where he didn't need to be involved, he sort of he was very selective in when he got involved and was quite uh, and it helped, helped him out a lot. The only real thing that sort of gave me a bit of a worry was uh, Hodgson early in this game, or probably for the first half, looked quite slow out of dummy half. Um, his service off the ground was really poor. It did pick up towards the back end of the game. Um, obviously, there's some ring rust there, but uh, I think that yeah, they, they've gone backwards a step with Marnie leaving and Hodgson coming in to hook up. Yeah, does um does Sini start in the centres there? With I don't know where Blake's at. But... Yeah, well, um, Blake's got an injury, doesn't he? Yeah, he broke. I think he had a broken, broken arm. arm or something. So I don't know how far away he is. I assume he's so a few I weeks. I imagine he'll start there. He's he's Probably bulked up. Looks like he's bulked up, and he's been good Definitely both games. Some size on. Hmm. Yeah, he's not getting driven back the way he was. I guess for those couple of games. And they, yeah, I think probably Murchie and Dury did enough to. They can get away with the, that back line to start the to start the season until they get their reinforcements back. Did Drew pick up an injury? Yeah, I think he, I think he's okay. I think it was ankle a, sprain or something. Might either be, a hamstring okay. or a calf yeah. or an ankle, something like that. Um, I suppose they've got they do have Nathan Brown up their sleeve. They just don't seem to like him. I'm pretty sure they don't want him there. <laughs> from what I can see, he's he's well and truly tucked up a sleeve. But uh, yeah. Uh, see how far down the barrel they get before they play him, whatever he's done wrong there. Um, good signs for Parra. I guess you've got to say, uh, I think your point on Gutho is good, that he's quite. A, he's pretty much the barometer of Parramatta. Then that um, when his timing's right and he's picking, how am I going to say this? When he's injecting himself just enough, they're playing well. I think when he's overplaying his hand or, or underplaying it, you know they're not. So um, I think the spinal will come out happy. Parra fans can be happy enough. They'll be competitive again and... You give him a tick, and well, I guess we move on from this game, do we? Yeah, and the forwards didn't really dominate like they have at times last year, and Dylan Brown wasn't involved that much either, so this scoreline could have been anything if Parra were in top gear. But. And I think Paulo was much happier just pretending to be a 5'8 for a lot of the game rather than actually <laughs> um, tucking under his shoulder. But he looked he looked crisp. He looked good enough. He, um, yeah, maybe. Did his job. He'll be right. Uh, we get on to the, uh, the next game. This was uh, one... Not many saw coming, including the Roosters, apparently, who, who sort of thought they were coming this game ready to go. Uh, 28-16, and it was, for 28-0 early on? Uh, if not, yeah, it was. 
nil before some late tries to Newcastle, and the Seagulls um, looked a different team, Barney. And Newcastle played twice. Roos yeah. <laughs> is jagged a couple there at the back end of the game, but yeah. Ah, um, yeah really, really positive signs for Manly. I thought their forwards um, looked a lot fitter than they were last year. They were quite quick, mobile, um, and they were dominant early. Like the Roosters forward pack's known for getting off to a, a quick start and jumping teams and rolling through the middle, but they were on the back foot for a large part of this game. And Manly were coming through very strongly. Um, the two back rowers were fantastic. Um, Olakowatu and Wulangi, they were fantastic. They were breaking holes at will at times against uh, a Roosters defence that you're not really used to seeing that. But obviously, there's a bit of change. Swali topped the head knock and was off early, and then you've got um, another another position to change out there. So, um, And they went straight for it. Manly were really the better for it. They just look so quick all across the field. Um, they look really mobile. They look really fit. And um, when you get the likes of Kula you know, into holes and Ko Weeks is, I don't think he's much slower than Kula. To be honest, he looks quite quick as well. At fullback, um, that, that try that they chimed together for down the right hand side was fantastic. And they look like they're going to cause a lot of problems for some outside defenders, especially some of the. Can you imagine some of the weaker teams trying to defend those guys if they're getting that kind of service that they were getting in the struggle. Absolutely, and we saw a lot that um, on display, not only last year, but even in these trials, early ball movement to those centres, there was points, I think, in a lot of games. Uh, so if, they, if they're happy to do that, it's fast outside backs are dangerous. You can't, obviously, to use a cliche, you can't coach speed, and uh, if they're willing to get the ball out there early and stand up these blokes one-on-one, Manly become quite, you know, quite a scary uh, prospect for some teams. Uh, especially with the you know the two big shadows looming to come back next week. It's a big, um, couple of big boys out there in the centres and the wingers as well, but not small fellas. Mm. So, with pace and strength. Uh, and strike now, uh, yeah, having another partner in crime, Molokoatu now gives them two, two strike second rowers, and yeah, I was I was pretty impressed. Young with Hooker, you. I was impressed with mm. him as well. Um, Would be surprised he, if we don't see. He him. looks like he. He'll fit into that probably 14 role and um, give Croker a rest at different times. And he's probably much the similar sort of uh, player to, to uh, Brandon Smith, to be honest. Yep. So if they really, I think if they told him, we want you to go and play front row for 20 minutes, I reckon he just put his head down and have a crack. So um, you know, not overly tall, but definitely solid, good leg speed uh, and good service out of dummy half. I thought he was impressive. And a, and a couple of nice kicks too. I think he one of these bombs that yeah. do points. Um, Ollie, any takeaway for Manly? Well, for Manly, and I don't know if this was indicative of uh, Cherry Evans not being there and I guess less of that structure in him sort of controlling the play. And this isn't something that I, I definitely, I don't think it will be beneficial for him too often throughout the year. But it just seemed like um, almost every play, they were just trying to keep the ball alive for as long as possible. They sort of, it was almost like the floor was lava. And I think a lot of their tries, um, especially their first few, came from offloads and from keeping the ball alive in situations where otherwise, and in the past, like most teams would just take the tackle. And uh, the support play was tremendous, I thought. Um, from Garrick as well, um, I thought it was amazing. And Cooper Johns, we mentioned him at the top of the show, but I nearly he's, I know it's not, I don't want to say a first grade game because it's a trial, but it's one of the better games I think we've ever seen Cooper Johns play. And he's definitely going to be the 
the second string for if a, a Cherry Evans or Schuster goes down or if Schuster moves back in into the second row, which uh, I don't know how I'd feel about that because to both your points, um, Kelmatulagi and Ola Kawatu together looked amazing. And if you've got, lock, needs you've anything, got a lock there too, you can... Yeah. I've said it for about that. three years. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Jake belongs in the front row. She's well, thirteen. That's on both sides of the field. That's an option too, but I think this partnership in the second row, if they can keep it up throughout the year, is going to be huge for Manly because for how long have we been talking about, even during Tom Travojevic's amazing 2021, one of the areas of concern for Manly was their forward pack. So yeah, if they can get these guys going consistently, uh, uh, and defensively they're, they're fine, but in, in attack as well, they can be lethal weapons, I think, for Manly. Exciting times for them. Uh, less exciting times for the Roosters. As I said, they... Even Tedesco went on record after the game as saying they turned up thinking you know they were ready to go and had uh, and were ambushed here. Any any positive signs, Barn? Real slow start. Um, the, the, the most positive sign was probably the majority of their forwards. Uh, their, their their main forwards did their job while they were out there. They may have only played thirty minutes, but the butchers um, the butchers were quite good. Uh, Lindsay Collins and Lodge did a, did a decent job in the time that they were out there. But, um, yeah, they didn't sort of aim up to try and to push in front of the Manly team. And um, the biggest takeaway from them was, again, um, Brandon Smith was probably their best player on the field in a team that was well and truly kept under control for the majority of it. He, was, um, he did provide points where he was um, causing problems in and around the ruck for the Manly defence and, uh, his defence is always pretty solid, so I, I thought uh, Brandon Smith or the Cheese was probably the Roosters' best player by a fair margin. I agree. He, d- he does look a lot fitter. He just looks sharp. He looks switched on. I still think Radley was good again, um, good enough when in the times he had, um, and will be, uh, you know, still with what I said last week. I think that they're, they're going to form in quite a good combination. Uh, it really showed that when they did have ball without one of their halves on the field, there was no direction there at times, even when they had possession. It was um, was quite concerned. And no Manu, I suppose, is their next best ball player, but um, quite concerned, their lack of really anything to offer, Ollie. Yeah, it, it sort of more came towards the end of the game, as you say. I'm sure you would have um, enjoyed seeing that decoy run as well for, from Radley. Was it? it was Lindsay Collins who ended up scoring what it looked like Cheese was just going to go to him because he to Radley because he had a couple of times he just ran straight through and it ended up being the the perfect play. So I think we're going to see that a fair bit more during the season as well. Uh, for the Roosters, one other person, and I know you, you mentioned him alongside his brother, but I thought at least in defence for a poor defensive Rooster side for most of that game, uh, Egan Butcher was doing his best to, to hold it all together and uh, he put in a great individual effort, but unfortunately he, he didn't have any blokes sort of backing up with him and and putting in that same sort of effort in defence, but I thought he was, he was great. Um, and and he, was, he was solid in attack too. Now, uh, anything else you want to touch on from um, from the Roosters boys? Or well, Terrell May was quite good. He looks like he'll be probably the first um, first choice bench interchange alongside Egan. So I, I think there's enough there, but yeah, to me, when you start looking at a lot of these players that did get 20 minutes or so, they look quite thin if they have a run of injuries in that forward path. They could, you know, they could drop away quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, we'll just touch on, we didn't do it in the first game, but we might just touch on as well. We, we all have our super coach. Any super coach thoughts now are on the, on the verge of um, having to put our teams up in lights. They Any players from this game and the first game you've, you've gravitated towards now or you're happy to put the big pen through? I'll be having a look at Cooper at his price. Um, if he's going to be playing the first couple of weeks there, depending on what the, the injury status is with um, Schuster. Uh, Tuolangi and Olukowatu were definitely blokes that you'd be looking at to put in a, in a back row position. From the Manly side, uh, probably Sifley maybe for a bench spot uh, for in, the, in your front row rotation. I thought he was quite good in this game. Uh, we didn't get to see Manu. Teddy's a bit of a question mark now, I think. Um, if they're going to start slowly like they generally do for the first three or four weeks, it might be worth keeping your powder dry for a month and trying to pick him up at a discount rate down the track. Um, you're probably going to want him at some point during the season, but, uh, yeah, there's a few questions there now, I think. Ollie, any, anything for you? Um, cool has probably rubber-stamped himself as a centre as well. Yeah. To be honest, I think I forgot most of the players who I've got in my squad. I haven't checked it for a set and forget. But I, I am pretty sure I've got Kelmer in there already. So exciting, exciting prospect there, Kelmer. And I'd say if you're looking at um if you you know, if you did have sights on Mitch Moses, he'll be fine. And if you did have sights on Jermaine Hopgood, which apparently everyone does, he'll be fine. I think too. he's a big one, to be honest, yeah. I think you're gonna he's gonna be averaging close to sixty. Looks like a worker. He just gets through plenty of work, so I like what you had to say, actually, and it just sparked me, and I'll get to my other my other big one later that uh, I'm a bit keen on now. Uh, if you're looking for a front rower, I think Lindsay Collins might have a few tries up his sleeve this year. So around 450 and, you know, looking for a, a pod, as they say, he might be one that uh, will benefit from that cheese-Radley combination and, and that, those crash play tactics. Um, you can find a try, and, and he'll put out his, as much work as anyone else uh, in that team. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to the Charity Shield, which kicked off Saturday afternoon in a very hot and mudgy, where we saw the Dragons uh, perhaps continue to to idle along down the path they we've suggested they may already be on. My notes here just read Dragons are shit. Little looked okay for the Dragons. What did um what did you make of this, Ollie? Well, the the Dragons honestly stunk, and if you if you like a, a great attacking football team and an exciting team this might have been the game to watch because South Sydney are exactly that and they were given every opportunity, <laughs> especially in that first half, to just open her up and go for it. And all the stars were on show. I thought South Sydney's spine was tremendous. Their starting four-pack was amazing. It was, It's weird. It was pretty much an across-the-board, and I went and looked at the stats today. You can't really say that it was anyone sort of just plodding along or anything because the Dragons literally were that bad that every Souths player was just given the opportunity to be that good. And it just looks like, and I, you mentioned it the other day when we were at the Grey Gums watching the Tigers Raiders game, um, and we were sort of talking about teams that you could rely on in 2023 and you brought up Souths. Well, this was a South Sydney Rabbitohs performance. And what we can sort of say about South Sydney here is what we were saying every week probably last year and especially in the floors with your, the likes of your Tatolas, Burgess was great as well, uh, Kalal Matungi, and then you had Jai Arrow and Cameron Murray uh, putting up big metres. I think nearly every player in the starting lineup for South ran for over 100 metres. Like it, 
it was just a clinical South Sydney performance. It's what you'd expect them to put up against a, a bottom four team. And I know currently the Dragons aren't a bottom four team from last year, but well, the the, the writing kind of seems like it's on the wall, isn't it? But uh, the, the Dragons just were horrible. Uh, a couple of things I'd say. Hunt tried his best. Um, he couldn't quite salvage this one, unfortunately, for the Dragons like he did in a few games last year. And I, I kept a close eye as well on Blake Laurie, who I don't think was horrible just because he individually had a good season last year. And I've got in my notes here, um, obviously at times over the past couple of years, I've made jokes about how certain players are too good for their current teams and should be trying to find a way out. Well, Blake Laurie might end up in that in that situation. I've called it the get me away from these geeks club. Uh, I had Luke Thompson there in 2021. He was the first member and Blake Laurie could be heading there because consistently in that very poor forward pack, he's, he's usually the one who at least puts in the effort. So I'll give him a shout as well. Daniel Alvaro still in that squad. He's I'm sure he's loving life in France right now playing I think it's for Featherston. I'm not sure if he's still there because they got relegated, but I hope Daniel Alvaro as well. Barn, uh, the Dragons. <laughs> what do you think about the Dragons? This looks like it was going to be 50-60 nil. Even if they didn't take off half their side after 30 to 40 minutes in this game, it probably would have been. Um, they didn't look like they had any spark whatsoever. They, they didn't look like they were going to break the line until back end of the game when the reserve forwards for the South got a bit tired and they started sort of throwing the ball around a little bit. Um, yeah, they weren't competitive in the slightest. In the slightest, uh, I thought Max Fairguy and Lomax played, tried quite hard, but they were given no real opportunities out there. Um, Musgrove and Laurie were probably, you know, okay without being uh, without being good. I thought Ben Murdoch, Masilla, and um, and Sewer were probably. Oh, sorry. Ben Murdoch, Masilla, Sua and Burns were probably the only three that looked like they were competitive with any of their opposition at any time during this game. Um, but again, they still weren't as good as the guys that were playing on the other side of the field. So uh, what, what can you say? Hunt had a couple of nice touches. Sullivan maybe had one or two decent decent touches. But um, yeah, Suli and Ramalawa, I don't know what happened to those two blokes, but they did set played close to the worst football I've seen out of those two a couple of years. I hear like, he was quite bad players. I hear he was quite intoxicated, as I am, quite drunk by the end of the night, so maybe he started around half time. Yeah, started early, <laughs> possibly. But then, yeah, the, Rapper and Suli had shocking games. They're much better than what they are, but yeah, they, they, got, they may look like reserve graders at best. They just don't come across as a happy team. Like it's, it sounds, no, don't sound like a wanker, absolutely. but you watch them play and they don't really feel like. And like I've, I've followed an unhappy team for years, um, and they look a little bit happier at the moment. But and you can tell it just comes across in energy. Um, they poor old Tyrell Sloan thrown back into the wolves there after not wanted last year. I don't, and obviously that, that um, shone through at the end, but. That troop over and drop ball straight into Latrell, and Latrell went and ran for fifty odd meters. I just sat there, kind of sad, thinking, "Oh, oh I feel Drops really, bad. I feel really bad for you." Yeah, yeah he, he, he did have quite an error. I think he game, dropped a but... bomb that led to a try, and he dropped a kick off, and he was in some shot. He had five or six errors, and um, he was in some bad defensive positions off scrums. I think one of the other tries, he was on the wrong side of the field, there's or broke late, and there's all sorts of uh, yeah, didn't have a good day out. Um, 
so you know hopefully he does bounce back but I, I just don't see the upside here as a, as we've said and said and said so I don't know what, what more boots can I think a lot of it comes from last year maybe we all said at the start of last year that he needed to play the kids and he needed to get them together and bring these kids through and he didn't do it he burned a few of them on the way through last year and like, these young kids that have got the skill and the talent to be able to come through, they're looking uh, below par at the moment. I think that's got a lot to do with the bloke with the, in the head seats. Yeah. Well, yeah. the two that are probably going to be starting at the start of the year and the two main ones in this game are Jaden Sullivan and Tyrell Sloan. Reports came out during the off-season that Tyrell Sloan had requested his release and there were rumours at some point that Sullivan was going to request his release. So even the guys that are getting the game time now, I think Hawks pretty much burned the bridge with them in some way and the the performance hasn't been great. But again, a ball hasn't been kicked in an NRL game yet this season and the Dragons won't be playing until round two. So they're guaranteed two points in round one. So that's that's a positive at least, but it'd be interesting to see how... Really, like you, Penny Young, he really did give an opportunity to last year, and that was Fee Guy, and he's gone quite well. Uh, so, and and the five eight that's uh, no longer with us. Uh, yeah, don't know when he'll be back. No, nah. um, and uh, but I said I thought I thought Little was okay. Looked a bit Little had one of his better um, games for years, and so did um, the other one that he's like for Simpkins as well. So. Yeah, well, last year, it, it, isn't it funny? Both those players had had raps as junior hookers, and finally are showing some of it um, under some different coaching. So we'll see what that brings for them. Now the bunnies, as as you said earlier, as you alluded to, sort of stole my line. But um, in a comp where we know Penrith are half a step slower, we don't know where Melbourne are quite at. We don't we obviously don't know where the Chooks are at after that. We don't know. Um, where Para are without some of their edges. We know what we get with Souths. We're getting the same team that made the prelim final. Um, they've all been together a bit bit longer. And they made that final. Remember, they started pretty slow last year. It took a long time for them yeah, to get up yeah. and going. Uh, Walker looked, you know, at, at average for a long time last year. Um, they look crisp and fit and ready to go. And they didn't have Latrell for a long at the start of last year either. So they've got him fit. Um, they've got... Walker obviously enjoyed himself on the weekend, and Elias is better for the run last year and, and looked pretty good here. And they're the ones going to be up and going. And, and I think they're a real hot top three chance because they're going to win early games and they're going to win them well. And that sets you up for the year, if nothing else, before the other teams are up and going. I love that and always have loved that um, the, the one-two punch of uh, Cook and Murray. It was on display here. Um, but my other little super coach uh, diamond I've found, which I'm quite, I've talked myself into being quite keen on now, is Tom Burgess. Because when that one two punch is going, um, if not one of them's in the scoring, he's always the one that's backing up, like he did in the weekend and, and finding a try. Um, you know, he's going to be good for 150 metres and he's going to be playing big minutes here because they've lost a couple of the a couple of his mates. So I, I can see him averaging, you know, hide mid to high 50s and um, doing a pretty good job this year. So he's, he's the one I'm latching my, one of my FRF carts onto. So what else did you take away from from South's barn? They were flattered, obviously, by the defence from the Dragons, but they um, they played some fantastic footy. And the thing, big thing for me was Walkers and Latrell weren't the ones setting this game on mm. fire. It was through that middle third, third of the field, as you mentioned, with Burgess, Arrow, Cam Murray, 
Cook, to me, looked fantastic in this game. He looked better than he has for quite some time, to be honest. He was out probing in and around the ruck and uh, it, it attracted defenders and then um, you know, the, the player moved on from there. I think the best player of the weekend I saw in this game, I'm pretty sure, was the inside-outside, inside-outside under the post with Ilias, Murray, Cook. And um, I think it was Arrow that ended up scoring underneath the post. But that was a fantastic interchange of play back through that middle third again of the field about from about 15, 20 metres out. Um, so there's some real danger signs, as you said, with if you inject uh, firing Latrell or Walker and this back line into, this, into a team that's already sort of putting up numbers like they did against... Obviously, close to the worst team in the competition, but... Uh, yeah, we do have to temper all this by saying that, you know... They are playing and it was a trial game, game also, yeah. but um, yeah. And another one there. Uh, there was talk. There was big talk on, on the Supercoach front for David Moelli earlier. Um, some goose that runs the whole thing and turned around and said he didn't make the seventeen, so he's probably not going to be in the team come round one. I'll leave the hat if he's not in the team yeah. come round one. He, um, I know he was named at nineteen or twenty or whatever it was in this trial match, but he came on and had a fantastic game. And be very surprised if he doesn't make his way into the 17. So he's probably one at a very low price that you could chuck into your, your forward rotation and into your super coach team. Uh, someone like AJ's never going to let you down. You know he's going to have – this is going to be games during the year where he's going to turn up probably two or three times a month where they just go to that left edge and he scores a whole heap of tries down there. If you're not seriously thinking about Latrell as one of your fullback positions, then I don't know what you're thinking about, to be honest, because you'd have to be – probably the second or third person that you think about if you're looking at the, the fullback spot. So um, there'll be a time when Cody Walker catches fire, but he's one that you really got to get. He's sort of, you know, he'll have three good games, two bad ones, and then he'll go on a run for six weeks. And, yeah, he's, he's, he's a bit patchy during, during the year with Cody Walker. But, yeah, I think he's one that you'll need to find. And the two centres from South definitely when they get out to 80-minute games and they're starting to um, you know, get, get a bit more ball out of it to the backs rather than playing it through the middle of the field, then you're going to see uh, Isaiah Tass and Campbell Graham come to come to the fore as well. So, Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, covered off well. The only, the only thing stopping me from really chiming into Souths is I, I'm aware of having too many players from any one team this and year. They do have a tough draw. Yeah, Five but I've, I've um, yeah, they've got the top teams. They've got pretty much all of last year's top eight. But as I've sort of thought about, the the real top players don't get too affected by the, the tough draws. No, Mario will still do his job. Oh, well, Mario will be. Uh, he's in my team at the moment, and he'll probably be my captain for large parts of the year as well. So I'm pretty sure he's going to be one of the first blokes I buy, and I won't be selling him unless I have to. Yeah, so. exactly. Anything else from this game? No, not really. There I think we your go. first line of the description was pretty good. Cool. You right to keep going, or one of you need to freshen your drinks? No, no. Yeah. Crack on. The, the World Club Sorry. Challenge come came up next seven, just before seven o'clock, in some interesting Western Sydney weather. We had all all four seasons and Ooh, a rainbow an and a through the space of the, this game. <laughs> As 13-12, to 12, St. Helens defeated Penrith. I think at one point they were 7 or 8-1 to one outsiders coming into this game. And uh, well, I thought they were clearly a better team for a good hour in this game, Barn. Uh, Ollie, you went out there, got rained out, came home. So how, how was the atmosphere out there and what were your initial takeaways? Well, 
first of all, I think it's pretty fitting that um, the game was delayed originally because they were worried about St. Helens dealing with the hot Australian weather. Whereas when the game started, the weather could not be more British. Like it was, it was literally, unfortunately over there in, in the old UK, they uh, they get a fair bit of rain over there. So we got a bit here while they were playing as well. Uh, the atmosphere was great, especially from, and this is probably the bit I was most looking forward to actually going to the game. The group of supporters that actually came over from England, that's St. I'd say St. Helens brought them over. It would have been the supporter group. Um, they wouldn't shut up. And it was great. Honestly, they they wouldn't, yeah, they would not shut up. And you could just see them like half the time whenever something was going on, one of my eyes was over on the hill and you could just see them just emoting. And as we're actually going into the ground, which by the way, I'm not going to go on a rant this time, but um, getting into the stadium was a bit of a headache as well. So yes, they do need the new ground. Um, But um, to actually get to where we were, we had to walk through it. And as we're walking through, through um someone started the oh when the saints come marching in chant and about ha- it was crazy because about half of them were lined up for the bar so we were like behind the bar trying to walk through and the rest of them were right there and it was just like deafening it was great to hear um the players obviously would have got a bit of a, a kick out of that and reacted to that when they first came out on the field you could see they acknowledged the fans that were there but the, ap- the atmosphere was great i didn't mind the, the rain but uh, the old man, Paddy, he got to about half time and he'd asked me a few times during the game. He's like, oh, if you, if you want to go, like we can go. And then it got to half time and he turned around and sort of said, yeah, let's go. So I, I think he was really looking looking to go home and getting a bit wet. But no, went home at half time, had a shower and watched the rest of it on TV. Barn, um, let's talk about St. Helens first. They were, they were fantastic. Um, some stars in this team, stars of, I guess, world football. Uh, Wellsby put himself up in lights again. And um, big Alex Wamsley, uh, what a performance. He was outstanding all night. Yeah, I said in the preview to this game that I was looking forward to seeing him take on um, Leota and Fish, and he might have a tough night ahead of him. (laughs) He took it in his stride and just kept rolling. Man, that bloke played for footy through the middle of the field. He's a massive unit, and he's very, very hard to stop. And for such a big bloke, he's he's not sloppy in defence either. Generally, you find the bigger blokes are you know a little bit sloppy in their defence, but he was hitting like a truck at different times in this game, and you could see how much it meant to him at the end of the game, uh, with the emotion that he was letting out there. But he was fantastic, I thought, and easily the best forward on the field. Um, yeah, destructive ball in hand and and in defence as well. You mentioned Wellsby. He's become fast, becoming one of my favourite players for coming out of the World Cup and what I've seen out of him. He's one of the one of the strangest running styles I've seen, but uh, he's very effective. Uh, some good acceleration, and to me, he seems much more suited as a six than a fullback as well. So I can see somebody who's looking for a, a six going out and uh, trying to get him to come across here to the NRL, even a fullback. I know a club with about a million bucks to spend. <laughs> well, you can fill in at six and at one for you. So, push Billy into seven or, yeah. or whatever. It, it was yesterday when Bulldog Richie put out his article about how apparently a few NRL clubs are interested, but he's contracted to St. Helens till 2025. So, yeah. reportedly, what a few NRL clubs are trying to do is sign him for 2026 and then try to work out a deal with St. Helens where they can pay a transfer fee and maybe get probably next year look to get him over. But um, 
if you were to play him as a fullback, though, uh, we just mentioned in the last game the performance that the fullback for the Dragons had. Maybe he he might not be horrible swapping one red V for another if he was to play as a fullback because I think the Dragons nearly more than anyone need one. They could probably swap sixteen red Vs for another if they to go into <laughs> the Dragons. <laughs> Yes, and Ellens were passionate. They were strong. Uh, I thought they did make a mistake uh, trying to defend the lead early in the yeah. second half, but they did it well. Uh, the, the defense held up. The defensive structure is very similar to what you see out of the, uh, some of the better defensive structures in the NRL. The way that they defend, um, sort of from the inside out, whereas they'll, they'll pressure the middle, and as soon as it goes past the edges, they'll fan and and push the the attack towards the outside edge using. The, Sideline is a bit of a defender there, and then um, post up with your second rowers and sort of create that 45 angle and try and stop the defense, like trap them into a corner. So, if you do want to come back, you've got to go right back around mm. the back of the, the, the field there to, to, to start up an attack on the other side of the field. But, um, yeah, Penrith were a step behind, which sort of did help St. Helens, obviously. But there was some a couple of really noticeable mentions, I thought, for the. The St. Helens side, Hurrell was fantastic. <laughs> he grew another leg coming over here again. Um, he's such a great character in the game of footy. Although Cyrenum was fantastic yeah, as well. Um, I agree. Another one that probably went too early over there and probably should still be playing in the back row uh, in, in the NRL here somewhere. Uh, mentioned Wormsley, he was fantastic. Dodd got them around the field well enough. Uh, not a huge, uh, didn't create huge creative opportunities, but. Uh, did more than enough to get him around the field, and um, you already mentioned Wellsby, so that was probably my biggest takeaway this one. And old James, James Roby, 50 tackles. Oh, sorry, yeah. Doesn't, um, it's so weird because doesn't James, uh, James Roby look so much like someone who'd be drinking with us at the pub on a, on a Friday night Pretty watching much. the football, let alone playing it, and he put it in the yeah. It's yeah. like he's been in about 50 street fights, or he's been a pro boxer for 20 years with that nose. But um, oh, he's obviously a tough bastard. He made 50-odd tackles, missed a couple. And still good service. Um, gets down nice and low, and the service off the ground is quite good um, and a decent pace as well. So, obviously got another year or two when he lives. See yeah. how he goes. I think he's about 37 or 38. 39, I'm pretty sure. 39, yeah. 20th season or something. I was reading, I think he's basically said he's waiting for his missus to tell him to stop turning up because he's going to keep going. Yeah, right. But, um, she likes him out of the house. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're retired a long time. But hard, yeah, hard, the, yeah more, and the more you read about him, at least yeah. him, hard not to like him. Speaking of Absolutely. service, Barney, should we get to Penrith? You, you may have yeah. the floor. It's it's the um, the biggest takeaway for me. The, the service coming out of dummy half Penrith was atrocious, and it led to a hell of a lot of people having to jump to catch the ball, lean down to catch the ball, <laughs> lean back to catch the ball. And if, if you're not getting good service and being able to run onto the ball and just continue um, with your playmaking, you lose more than half a second in, in your attack. The, the defence is two or three steps up in, in your face. So you're now playing at a disadvantage. You're realistically playing up against like a five-metre defensive line instead of a 10-metre defensive line because the sloppy, the sloppy service coming out of dummy half was horrible. I don't know where Sonny Luke was. I don't know why he wasn't given an opportunity to play hooker in this game. Do you think they would have wanted to see how he's going unless mm. they've already earmarked him as someone who's going to be playing? Uh, because Kenny's service was 
horrible. And um, Congers wasn't much better when he came on either. Um, I know he didn't play a lot of minutes, but I can't see him fitting into a, a number nine role in this Penrith side. So um, it, it was drastic, the difference between what you saw out of them on running on, like the, even their forward pack getting through it was the almost, ball it was, it was in the middle of the quite field. quite confronting to watch them that slow and that disjointed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you you get Yo and Cleary on the back foot and they're just just, just such a massive disadvantage to the, the outside backs. By the time they're getting the ball, the, the guy who's tackling standing next to them as they catch them. So what do you do? Yep. It's, um, yeah, that was the biggest takeaway for me as well. It, it just felt like it was they were playing half handicapped by the way that was. And, and obviously they've been spoilt for three or four years now. Um, building up to this, but this is the reality of life after him. And we said that half a step does make a difference. But that was, it was as bad as anyone I saw over the weekend. Yeah. The service had a dummy half. Like, there wasn't a team out there that was that looked to me to have worse service coming out of the dummy half than what Fenner had. The, ne- the next issue they've got, or the next, I guess, point they need to address is both tries came through the Ghana Lua yeah, side of the Lua. field. Uh, that's going to be targeted a lot this year, and they're losing, I guess, uh, um, Taylor and May as well. Um, sure. Is he on that side? Well, Tato's requested to go back on the left. So he has to, yeah, so he ends up, so back goes, goes back over there. Um, so lots of work for Ghana to get back to there as well. Uh, to be up to those standard. Luai's going to be exposed a lot in defence this year without his bodyguard. Well, you saw kick out last year. He would absolutely fight the blokes, so they wouldn't come back down that side again. Yeah. Like he would put proper shots on, and I can't see Garner doing that. So, whether they end up pushing someone like Spencer Lenu out there as a as a bit of a hitman sort of bodyguard for them, or even some some another back rower, but um, someone like Sorensen or someone who can put a shot on in defence. But yeah, yeah, it's concerning signs. Um, Go back to the preview if anyone wants to listen to my, my spiel on Penrith and it was all there before here. So, um, yeah, they, they were the two probably biggest points that I, I did have of concern and they've come out pretty glaring in this game. Oliver? Well, I think obviously with the signing of Garner and I guess it is surprising they did not try to go for a more a like-for-like second rower. Uh, compared to Kikau, I'm not sure how many would have been on the market at the time, but Luke Garner's biggest positives, um, I mean, he, he's big positive going to Penrith is what he can do in attack. It's not necessarily defence. I don't think he's a horrible defensive player, but yeah, when you are that small, smaller body, um, it, it's chalk and cheese with him and Kikau. And um, I don't know, I, I sort of speculated during the off-season whether or not he would start straight away. I, th- he, I think it's pretty obvious he will start straight away, but maybe throughout the year he might be better off coming off to the bench for someone else. Obviously, uh, Liam Martin wasn't there either. But Yeah, they do get Martin <laughs> back, and, and potentially Hoskins might start in front of him. Yeah, that, that, yeah that, that's a, a chance as well. I haven't seen too much of Hoskins other than the little bit I think that we saw of him last year but uh, I just think yeah Garner's mainly there for his attack and it, it is a worry for Penrith and it, it was just so weird to see I think a lot of this comes back to Sony Luke and what he can bring to the table for Penrith because I think what Mitch Kenny's career at Penrith possibly might be riding on or at least his um, time in first grade in 2023 will be 
if he can replicate that late season combination, I guess you could say he had with Abbasai Coruscant, where Kenny would start and after 20 minutes, then Coruscant would come on and that worked, even though Kenny, um, and Kenny wasn't bad. I don't, I don't think then, but um, Coruscant would obviously come on when the forwards of the opposition got a bit tired and uh, exposed that a bit. It's going to be interesting to see whether they can replicate that with Sonny Luke, because if they can't replicate that, then after three or four weeks, Ivan Cleary's, understand we're probably just going to go well we might as well just have Luke out there the whole time and maybe Jack Cogger on the bench to come on or even just play Jamin Salmon as that utility um, because there are options for that 14 there for Penrith the players that I just mentioned so I, I think honestly Mitch Kennedy's career at Penrith might be based heavily on the other hooker they got there Sonny Luke and whether they can work out um, that duo and that partnership in a way I guess you could say the Cogger one's interesting in this game because I don't quite understand it. And the only way I can think it, the only reason I think he's sort of in the team is because that perhaps they thought uh, we'll be up by 20 at half time, we'll give Nathan a rest at half time. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I don't or, know. Or to play that second. Unless he is going to be the 14. Maybe he is. Well, it wasn't the word that he's basically meant to be what Sean O'Sullivan was, which was like, yeah. not even playing first grade, but as a backup a halfback and he's played half in the NRL before obviously over in super league. So that would make sense if he was that backup half. And from the very little amount of time we saw him in the world club challenge, he's shown that he's definitely not a backup hooker or um, sort of a utility there. And if they are going to play him off the bench, which I don't think it will, it will purely be as a half. So I think he's more probably saving for origin time when at, at least clear he's, going to get picked again if he's healthy for New South Wales, right? I don't think they're going to make any drastic changes with the halfback position. So, yeah, honestly, and I think Jamin Salmon's pretty versatile as well. He can play in the centres. He can play in the halves. Um, play a bit, a bit of back row. He's been a bit of time well. back row. So, yeah. if, if, if it comes to it, I think, honestly, and if it doesn't work out with Kenny, I wouldn't even put Cogger in then. I'd probably just go with... Jamin Salmon, and I know Salmon's been on the bench even last year, not as the utility, but as one of the, the forwards on the bench. Played a bit of back row, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you can just move him into that four, that 14 role, whether it's on his back or not, as that utility player. Um, positives, Barn. Look, Crichton was... I know people were Penrith fans very quick to turn <laughs> on Crichton, but I thought in attack he was fine. He tried, tried a bit hard. There was a couple of a uh, times he pushed passes, passes and offloads that he didn't need to, and... We got what we expect from Biza. Um, so His defensive positioning was quite good um, for a bloke who doesn't play fullback all the time. I thought he was in the right spot majority of the time as a fullback. So that that's definitely a tick. Um, Fisher Harris was good again. He, he wasn't as dominant as usual, but he, he was one of the better front rowers on the field easily. Lenu, I thought. Mm. Been saying it for a year and a half, two years. Uh, needs to be playing 40, 50 minutes. Uh, got to get out of this 20, 20, 30 minute mindset. I know he is very impactful for that first 10 minutes when he comes on the field, but you can't tell me he can't be playing 40 minutes. So I think this I is year definitely year. needs to be. Yeah, yeah, I think he has it has to happen uh, for this Penrith team. Uh, one from St. Helens I missed, uh, Sione Mataltia. I thought yeah. he was fantastic for them, for them also, but um, just didn't want to leave it without giving him a mention. Clear and Yeo were the best of the pal. Players out there for Penrith, they always are. But um, yeah, the, the defense. All Joe was the best player for Penrith easily. Um, but he's 
he was stifled a bit in attack, but he always gets through plenty of work and he, he did more than enough work again for this pen side. Uh, this it's not Penny Station's pen. They're not going to go out and suddenly drop out of the eight, or you know, they're probably not even going to drop out of the top four to be honest. But there, there is a few concerns there that they'll, the um, the coaching staff will definitely be working on, and it's, it's around that defensive positioning on their left and and out of hooker. So, and they've lost um, as we've touched on prior, they've lost their two assistant coaches, which can't help. Yes, uh, Webster and Seraldo aren't there, so now I think it's Wallace and. Um, and I know it is. They're both doing a pretty good job I, by the looks of things. Yeah, I apologise to that bloke, but I can't give his name now. Um, Webster. Andrew Webster. I know, but the, the other assistant coach at Penrith. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Web, Webster's gone to Warriors, but um, yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny. It, um, you suggested Penrith fans might be unhappy in the first month or so, yeah, took one game so. and they were turning. Oh, they <laughs> did not like Stephen Crichton after this game. They, oh, there was some very interesting we'll reaction from Penrith fans <laughs> after we'll this one. Living in Penrith since the last 25, 30 years, we've seen it <laughs> time and time yeah. again. They're um, Penrith still a bit like my missus, to be honest. They're not, they're not the greatest losers and they're probably worst winners, to be honest, some of their fans, but um, they They'll get what they. They'll still be very more than competitive. They'll probably be look like the best team in the comp at different times during the year as well. But uh, <laughs> yeah, some of the some of the supporters around the place are pretty funny. They um, they said they turned on Crichton very quickly. Martin was a big one, a big loss for this in this game. There was nobody with that high energy aggression. Um, obviously, I mentioned Fish, and they knew when they sort of brought that, but there was nobody on an edge with that sort of energy and aggression, which they were getting on both sides of the field last year, and they, they just seemed a bit flat on the edges with their edge pack rollers in this one. Yeah. Any final thoughts, boys? Uh, well, I feel a little bit sorry for, for St. Helens, and I don't want to sound too disrespectful to the Super League, but they're going to go from this massive high of this big competitive game against the other team that's been the best team in the world for the past couple of years that they finally got to verse and they beat and now they got to go back to walking this league for the fifth year in a row that they have for the past four years. Awesome and super coach team. Yeah. Super league teams again. And uh, nothing against Castleford, but they've got to go from this big World Club Challenge game against Penrith to head into the old Benderhose jungle and probably put 50 on Castleford. So you can maybe see why Jack Wellsby or someone might want to come come over to the, the NRL sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you refresh your arm, Ollie, and we'll be back to look at the second half of this weekend. Zach? Alrighty. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, I've escaped the storm and come inside, but we uh, might just touch on some of the social feedback we've received from the last couple of weeks where um, we've put out our thoughts. Ollie's at least done graphics on our thoughts on a lot of the teams leading the season and a lot of the matches since. Uh, what's some of the feedback? I'm sure they've just been all positive. Mm, well, um, so yeah, over the past couple of weeks, we've been putting out graphics with different quotes from the podcast, uh, mainly from the uh, preseason preview episode, and we've got some stuff here. A couple of um, a couple of humorous ones first. Uh, first of all, Barney's comments on the Penrith Panthers about how he thinks they might struggle in the opening weeks of the season. Um, in the Penrith Panthers supporter group, 
someone commented, since when does a big purple dinosaur know anything about rugby league? And on Barney, we also had in the Manly supported group with Barney's comments on Josh Schuster, which I don't actually think were like, they weren't negative in any way. It was just pretty much outlining the role that you thought he was going to play as a five, eight for Manly and commented, who is Barney? And someone else replied, Fred Flintstone's best friend. So we've had a a reference to the Flintstones and of course, Barney, the dinosaur. Now an interesting one. um, Some Canberra fans had some interesting comments uh, about Daggy's, uh, quote, which again, I don't think was actually too negative. Yeah. You just spoke about how you think they're the gatekeepers for the eight. They might actually make the eight themselves, but um, a fair few Canberra fans thought that they were guaranteed top four and someone actually went out on a limb and wanted to bet $100 with Daggy that they will finish at least six. He's thinking realistically between fourth and six. And as that Raiders Tigers game ended on the weekend, I believe you officially Yep. Said you'd take him up on that bet. So if he wants to go th- go yeah, through, then I won't. Bucks. No, he's already played. He dialed it down a notch. He said that I'll finish seventh or higher. Okay, well, there we I'm go. Fine, seventh or that. higher. That's fine. Like that, that bet is a go there. And then one that's interesting, and I maybe want to get your guys' thoughts on it quickly, and the Sydney Rooster supported group, um, the comments that Daggy made after the first week of the preseason that cheese and Victor Radley connection, which we mentioned on the show a bit earlier as well. Um, a Roosters fan this is coming from, which is a bit surprising said unpopular opinion, but Veryl service is better from dummy half Smith, a far more dynamic player, but passing game, not as good as Veryl's was. So what do you guys think about the, the comments there from a, a someone commenting in the Roosters supporter group? Oh, Ferrell's has got great service. I just think I don't think Cheese's service is any any detriment to his old playing ability. No. Farm? Yeah, I do say it's a pretty close race to be honest. Um, Ferrell's maybe uh, a little bit faster out of dummy half, uh, just fractionally quicker with the ball off the ground, but he's nowhere near as uh, destructive getting in and out uh, with the running game coming out of the dummy half position. So I think as a whole, uh, Brandon Smith probably. One or two cogs better than uh, than Verrills, but um, if it, if you're just going to talk straight out passing game, Verrills maybe yeah one or two percent <laughs> better, but there's very very little between the two of them. At, at their best, they're pretty much the same, I think, with their, with their service out of dummy half. Yeah, and I, I think I'll I'll just mention quickly before we move on with the rest of the show, if anyone wants to sort of get their their comment on the show or wants to to speak about something on social media, the best way to do that might be commenting on the quotes that we put out or heading to the YouTube channel um, and putting a comment in the comment section there because we do check and we do see the YouTube comments. So we might start implementing them as well if we, if we get a few more of them throughout the year. And where can we find these channels, Oliver? Uh, well, Footy and Froffies on Facebook and Instagram and also Footy and Froffies, wouldn't you know it, on YouTube as well. And Twitter too. Page there too. <laughs> we, we do have discussions about some of the comments that we read, <laughs> good, bad, and indifferent. But uh, <laughs> anyone who, who actually cares, Barney comes from Barney Rubble <laughs> back in the day. Okay. Short, fat. My hair used to be a lot lighter when I was in high school. And, uh, we had a purple jumper at high school. So, yeah, one of, one of your mates, <laughs> older brothers, nicknamed me Barney Rubble back then. But, and it's stuck ever since. 
that has it's followed out teachers calling me Barney and all through cricket. Yes, 20, 25 years later, I'm still Barney. So. Here we are. Uh, all righty. Well, yeah, as we said, jump on all our socials, leave us some feedback. Let's get to the Sunday night game, though. Uh, Saturday night game, in fact, after the World Club Challenge. Broncos 20 defeated the Cowboys 18 in quite a good game of rugby league, I thought, young David. Yeah, I thought it was quite a, uh, an entertaining game, uh, to be honest. It, it did break down with some errors and um, penalties sort of getting in the way. Uh, both teams got pretty tired at the back end and there was some sloppy football. But it, as a whole, it was a very entertaining game. Um, I don't think either team had any massive standouts except for your new man crushing Paddy Baby Kerrigan. He was fantastic. Hand and shoulders, the best player on the field. I've um, lost Guzzi now, so I need a new I need a new man in my life. <laughs> need a new man. He's, um, his defence is fantastic, running game, and the way he links, that link when he plays that link role between the halves and, and the outside backs, he's a fantastic player. And, um, yeah, I can see him captain on this side for a large part of his career and possibly even captain Queensland down the track. But, um, yeah, he's, he's a fantastic player and was the best player on the field, in my opinion, in this one. Yep, I thought Cobo looked good. Cobo was up and going, yeah, dangerous absolutely. as usual. Uh, for the most part, in the right position uh, as a fullback too. Didn't make it. Yeah, there was no definitely. glaring errors, so he's going to have that cover when Walsh is back. But um, a few destructive runs there. And I thought uh, Ezra looked dangerous. I thought there could be more points coming at times where Ezra just he loves that little um, he loves a little barge over there trying to find that. Uh, run into the opposition half because he's a big enough. So he's very busy. Um, he's got a lot of energy on, when he's on the ball, and a very crisp short passing game, and a short kicking game is a fact. So yeah, he's going to be um, a big part of the games when they do do well, of getting their uh, getting some points for this Brisbane side. Obviously, a big miss in um, with Reynolds on the sidelines. They they did lack direction at different times in this team, but. In this game, but I thought they were probably pretty dominant for large parts of this game. Uh, I'm not sure what what that says about the Cowboys, to be honest. Considering they had they did play big minutes for a lot of their their players uh, in this game. You you mentioned Ezra and Cobo. I thought Palacio was quite good, and um, Tapao made it made a difference. Um, he's definitely, definitely. going to strengthen up that front row rotation for this this Brisbane side. Um, I think Moser came on for about 15, 20 minutes and did his best impression of a seagull, flapping his arms around <laughs> for 15, every, every tackle, man. I was just watching him. You go into dummy half and he's sitting there flapping his arms around doing the guffo slash Moses. It must be a hook in because Blake hasn't even played first grade having a whinge. I was like, <laughs> he's the but, least uh, um, he's the least hooker-looking yeah. hooker I've seen. Yeah, big tall, rangy fella, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, but um, he, he did have a, a, an impact pretty much as soon as he came on. There's a couple of nice little touches that he had in and around the dummy half, but yeah, they, he didn't really, they didn't get on much of a roll for him to have too much of an impact. But he did his job okay. Um, he looks like he can defend quite well as well for a young hooker. So we'll see where that um, where that takes him. But um, for me, oh, Payne Husk was really good. I thought he stepped up his workload compared to the week before. Uh, you had Ricky and even Corey Jensen was a standout as well mm. for the Broncos. He's not big, is he, Corey? I didn't, didn't realise he was that. He's not a big boy, is he? 
No, he's not a huge guy. Um, he's yeah. thick. He's a thick one, but yeah. um, he's not um, not overly tall. And I thought or, K- um, I thought Capel did a good job of hunting um, Townsend for the night, both attack and defence. He, yeah, yeah. He, 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 he loves that job, doesn't he? Yeah, he, yeah, scored a try down there and then just was a bit of a pest for him for the time he was in the field. <laughs> Absolutely. The Cowboys, for me, their defence... Defensive line was so much slower than at any time last year. I don't know what that was, whether it was a thing where they were they were sitting back on purpose or they just didn't have the energy or would, you know, to, to get up. But the, the speed of their defence was nothing compared to last year and I think that was a big part of why they went so well last year is because they were up in the face of the, of the opposition and it was noticeably slower for me. Um, they looked a little bit softer in the middle of the field. I think that's got a little bit to do with Gilbert. Um, I think they missed his defence in the middle of the field because he was fantastic for them at times last year. In the middle, by no means were they were they horrible, but um, they were just a couple of things for me that, that stood out in, in the way that they, they played. Um, Dean had some really nice touches. Townsend had some really nice kicks, which is obviously something they can build on through the year. Val had flashes of what he does. Val Holmes at times looks like the best player on the field and then sort of goes missing for 20 minutes, half an hour. But um, he'll be be someone that you probably want in your super coach team throughout the year as would Carrigan definitely be somebody that you want to be putting in back row. Oh, you see much of this game? Yeah, the Cowboys are a little disappointing for me. Well, yeah, the Cowboys, they seem sort of, I guess to your point, Barney, it seems like they were sort of a gear less than they were during games last year. And that could purely be down to it being a, a preseason game as well. Yeah, uh, not wanting to go all out, but they were still in it. It was for me, probably the the game of the weekend. I guess it depends on the style of game you enjoy. If not, it, for most people, it would have been the, the game before this, then the World Club Challenge. But um, I like seeing the back and forth here. I think Brisbane were definitely the better side overall. Um, Patrick Carrigan, best on field. I'd say, uh, yeah, Jensen as well really surprised me. He was up there as well as Payne Haas. Um, that um, that intercept from uh, Talalagi towards the end of the game, that was one of the most frustrating intercepts I've seen because he sort of, he grabs it and then he runs a bit and slows down. If he just, I, I sort of know what he was doing because the defenders were coming in again. I, I don't want to bag him too much because it's the, uh, the whole... Uh, hindsight thing as well, but if he just got the ball and gone for it, he might have broken the. I think there was one defender coming across, but he sort of stagnated a bit there. So um, that was one of my takeaways. That was one of the more frustrating intercepts that I think I've seen. I was just, I was just thinking in my head, just go, go. But um, he didn't. Uh, drink water. Uh, I think had a good game as well. The, the running game from Dearden and Townsend, I thought was pretty good as well. In terms of a halves combination running I, I think they're, they're probably the best in the in the competition nearly where both halves do have that bit of a running game in them um but yeah i think overall for me with the cowboys it was just probably that being that one gear less than they usually are they showed glimpses of it but didn't really go too hard just because it was a trial game and they still nearly got the win out of it i thought both their front row were fantastic um cotter and yeah, mclean was great um yeah, Cotter just goes and goes, and McLean, um, well, he's been one of the form front rowers now for since last year, and he's come back just as good. And I think Tamo goes really well into that combination. He's going to play his half hour every week, and he won't let anyone down. He had some nice nice runs here. Uh, and you, they, they would say they saw what they need to see from your Nanai's and Tamalolo's. Nanai 
some sneaky yeah, stuff of, um, off dropouts. Uh, what about that dropout where he just <laughs> dropped the ball? And how was that allowed to play on? But, you got it before it hit the ground. Yeah, that's uh, so all, all fair yeah, and love That was uh, he's dropped different. it. He was looking for the corner, and he's dropped it. And he was going to get underneath it and put it up for the yeah. for the wingers and the centers. And he went, "Shit, there's nobody in front of me. I'll just grubber this yeah, thing on the just, ground." And <laughs> weird. Um, he got it just before I hit the ground. But I can see them. Back. I can see them using that dropout to Nanai throughout the year to try and get him up and over the top of the front row. Yeah. yeah. So, which is clever, and but they would have seen what they saw. Look, I'm I know you're sort of against Brisbane this year, but I'm actually saying Brisbane are going to be improvers from well, they have to be from last year where they collapsed. But I, I think this is this felt like a almost a top four game, I'd say, and um, I think it's indicative. Been close, yeah. Um, I, I think I was not just a back more end of the year top four game by the way that they fell apart last year. To be honest, um, mm. to me that knocked them down because I. I did have them pegged at a sort of a seventh, eight, six, seventh, eight position at the end of last year, up until that last four or five weeks, and then I just went, "Well, you don't deserve to be in the top eight. So, yeah. <laughs> and I've carried that through to the beginning of this year. Um, I have seen some things that have made me sort of rethink it and think that they, they probably are a seventh or eighth position team, but obviously it will it'll depend a little bit further down the track of how they go and um, injuries permitting to to uh, some of their key players, but. Um, and they've got strong. Potter was one that I did want to mention, um, and I didn't. Uh, he was fantastic out there. And Drinkwater, I think, was probably the Cowboys' most creative player and uh, created more opportunities than anybody else on the field. I thought he was um, yeah, close to their best, actually. I, I think it, I think what we saw on Friday is what we're going to get uh, on Saturday is what we're going to get from him in that creativity is going to be through Drinkwater. Townsend's kicking will be you know the the bread and butter, and he does it well. And didn't be the running half, um, and it'd just be how well that gels throughout the year. Yeah, the uh, the thing with me, as I mentioned, was the, the the defensive speed was a lot slower than I noticed for large parts of last year. And I think if they if they don't get that back up to speed where they were last year, they may drop a few pegs. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Any other takeaways? I, like I, I think what ex- what interests me about Brisbane is their whole backline feels like strike at their best. Cobo, a big year for Katoni. Um, he, 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 yeah, he wasn't setting it on fire again, I thought. Uh, obviously, Cobo, Arthurs, and um, they've got Pereira up their sleeve, and um, maybe Tristan Slayer up. Tristan Sailor up their sleeve. So, um, and Ezra bigger and stronger and better for the run last year. So they'll score points. It'll be how well they've their fitness and their. I guess want holds up throughout the year. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're pretty spot on there. Um, and big takeaway for me out of this one was how quiet they kept Robson. Mm. The majority of this game, considering how destructive he was against pretty much everyone last year for big parts of the game. So, and um, yeah, I think I, it's one thing I did mention that I was worried that he will be targeted this year, and um, that's sort of an edge that they. Defences, if they get up in his face, can sort of take it away from, take that little bit of edge away from the Cowboys. It did feel a bit of a step down with um, Granville playing more minutes, Neem playing more minutes, and Gazowski being there, um, as opposed mm-hmm. to Tom Gilbert, Luciano, and um, I think Lukey's injured as well. Lukey'd be the other one. Yeah, Lukey wasn't we haven't seen. <laughs> so once they get all in back, maybe yeah, there's more to come, but. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Probably more of a 
you know, wait and see on those. Anything else here? Any any super coaches or anything you want to go looking for? I'm not sure what Drinkwater's price is, but if he's around the 500, he he's could possibly be no, a he's second already, backup. He's about the third highest. He's just a bit too no, if, he's, if he's up there at the third highest, it's probably yeah, a bit of a worry. Um, Connor is not going to let you down during the year. Neem's probably a little bit underpriced and someone that might make a little bit of money early because he's going to get more minutes, obviously, with Gilbert being missing this year. Yeah. And I... And I, if you someone you want to pick and stick with for the majority of the years, probably someone that you go with. You know he's going to score tries at different times, but they, don't be surprised if you get a game where he only scores twenty. Yeah, here and there. I, I've got Nene at the moment, and he's the one I'm sort of. Yeah, I know he's going to fall some eighties here and there, but also I know he might get a twelve or thirteen somewhere. Probably like fullback for the first six weeks. Um, mm. Fitness and injury prevailing is probably another one that you could put in there as a second. But well, you can even plug him into your centre wing, I think. So he's actually named yeah, as a centre wing. Yeah. So you can pick him in either in one of your centre wing positions or at fullback. And yeah, I don't think he's going to let you down. Uh, Cover and Reese Walsh there for the first six or eight weeks. Anything else, Ollie? No, not really. Saturday, Sunday, Sunday kicked off with uh, the Storm 24. Defeating the Warriors six, and it was absolutely standard Warriors performance. They turned up for about fifty three minutes, and that was it. Uh, um, yeah, right on fifty minutes. Warbrick scored. There you go. Uh, and that was when Harry and Munster sort of decided it was time for them to go and you know be Harry and Cam for a bit, and led to yeah, a lot of points. They were a big part of this game, didn't mm. they? The, um, Harry Grant was sort of probing, but Munster and Hughes just sort of sat back and played in dinner suits. Pair of them. Um, some lovely touches. They both put on a very nice try each uh, with Munster and, and Hughes with their ball-playing games. But um, the Warriors were in this game for a really long time, mm. both 50 to 60 minutes, as you mentioned. And I think they were probably dominant through the forward pack for quite quite uh, majority of that time as well. Like They were winning, in, winning the middle of the field for at least the first half and a chunk for that second half. They just didn't have anybody to capitalise on the opportunities at the back of it. Like the, Jeez, I love Sean Dawson. They, they I have done for a Mecca, long time. But yeah, I've loved Sean Dawson for a very long time, but his last four or five years are a shadow of what he used to be. Um, he's, yeah, no, his question marks the defence with him has been all throughout his career, and um, his attack is, is waning as well. So how long it takes to see if they do sort of maybe swap him in and out with the 14 coming in and taking some of his minutes or something. I don't know. The, the two big, big glaring errors from Sean Johnson was missing twice touch, mm. uh, missing touch twice. <laughs> like that's a massive turnaround when you've got a fresh set at six and you could be 40 metres downfield and then you don't hit the touch line and the other team gets the ball back. Like, it's just talk about a swing in momentum and that's basic errors. Um, that The bloke that's played, what, 200 and 40 games or something should not never be making. So, um, yeah, that, that was a big takeaway for me. The Warriors' errors killed them, especially when they did try to go to their outside backs. It was um, yeah, a lack of creative creativity and errors just absolutely killed them in this. Melbourne was sort of off the bit for about 15, 20 minutes. They didn't look competitive for the first sort of 15 minutes. I was a little bit worried there. I thought they, were, they might have got um, beaten in this one and a better team might have put some points on early, but uh, this Warriors team just couldn't seem to get over the line. 
Melbourne kicked back in after about 20 minutes and just got back into the grind and do what Melbourne do. Um, Nelson was massive. Nelson was the best player on the field. Uh, another one that just absolutely stood out. So you're looking for a front row in super coach. I don't care what he's going to cost you. There's going to be games where he's going to probably hit 80 most weeks, with especially carrying this pack now. Like there's not there's yeah. not a lot of help for him, so he's going to be playing big minutes and going to have to carry this pack. I thought he was tremendous. Um, there's a couple of Warriors that stood out. Um, Egan was decent, as was Torhu Harris. I thought you know they're never going to shirk their their workload. Barnett and Fanua Blake were probably the best two players for the Warriors. Um, yeah, they've got some real issues in their outside backs. Like they can, they can get up the field. They can uh, compete again. It's been a similar story for them for uh, the last probably what five years. Yeah, they they compete through the middle of the field, even win the middle of the field, and then once they start going looking for points out wide, there's either errors or lack of creativity, and then they turn the ball over, and then <laughs> their defence out there's not much chop either. So. Yeah. See how they go. Yeah, yeah. Um, agree with everything you said. I thought, um, I still, yeah, like the Melbourne Ford pack were, well, I thought outmatched, as you said, for the first half, probably. Um, but hung in there okay. Uh, some of the a more creative team making them chase 18 might have been interesting. Uh, but some, yeah, positive signs. Um, Will Warbrick looks like he'll be a try scorer. I assume he's going to get the starting spot. Big, big body. Took some people with him to score out wide there. Look, Meany still feels... He's obviously a level a low A-grade Pappenhausen, but um, didn't necessarily have a lot of spark. Maybe maybe that Falongo isn't far away from getting a crack in if they struggle the first few weeks. But he's still on a development contract, as far as I know, Falongo. Yeah. So I'm not going to see... You probably won't see him until halfway through the year unless they upgrade him into the top 30 um, in the next week. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, but um, as we saw, once once Harry decided it was time to go, he got him on the front foot and away they went. Um, Looks like and, a different bloke with the skin head, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> once they, two or three times that they've gone, Harry's away. I'm like, that's not Harry Grant. Oh, yes, yeah. he is. Hang on. <laughs> um, and that's where they'll win. Like, those three blokes will win them games like this yeah, um, most weeks. So, um, look, they'll be fine. They're, they're probably just that shade under last year, but, you know, we know where they that's they sort of sit. Um, they probably uh, well should be better for the run again, but lots on Nelson's shoulders, as you said, Ollie. Yeah, well, I thought it. it this game really felt to me like it was just Melbourne kind of playing with their food a bit. Not to be too disrespectful to the Warriors, but um, once, as you guys said, Munster Hughes and Harry actually decided to turn it on, which I, I felt like they they could have done it a little bit earlier if they wanted to. But when they decided, all right, that we got to get serious and actually win this game, once that happened, it, it all completely flipped and everything was really going Melbourne's way for them. What I will say about the Warriors, though, is um, obviously they've made a fair few signings um, for this season, a few on the Fords as well, but I thought all of their new forwards were at least solid 
in this game. It's not good. Um, Ford was decent. Barnett had a really good game, as mentioned, um, and so did Neocore. Neocore's hit on um, Panay was a good little wake-up because for about the first 20 minutes there, there, there was a, a whole lot of not much going on, and then all of a sudden, bang, and you could feel the, the sort of change in atmosphere with the fans at the ground as well. So um, I feel a bit for uh, Cossie, though, at that point where the – the 40-20 was going and he nearly got there and he got the ball and then he just slipped and went into touch, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I, I guess, and uh, as you guys know, I'm tipping the Warriors for the spoon and I still am, but I guess it's positive signs that the players that they have invested in, at least so far, look like they're going to produce something for them this year. Yeah, fair. Um, we've probably covered off everything there. Yeah, yeah Lissy Patoa had a pretty good game, yeah. I thought. Um, I think he's edged himself in front of Tarek Sims now, so... Wouldn't be surprised if he gets a starting spot over Terry Sims. And, um, yeah, I think I read that. Uh, I did think. Uh, I do think I read that Sims will be off the bench if he's not injured. He might even be carrying injury. Uh, Storm for me, I think it, a majority of it comes off the back of Harry Grant because you didn't really see Munster and um, Hughes get involved until it came off the back of a Harry Grant scoot out of dummy half. You know what I mean? So um, unless the forwards are being dominant. Uh, I think it's going to take a bit of Harry Grant to sort of break a few games apart. So I think they're I think they're probably a cog or two down on where they have been over the last few years, and um, they're going to settle sort of in and around that fourth to eighth position rather than being at the top of the comp this year. But they'll, they'll still be good enough to put away a lot of teams. Yeah, Tigers thirty six defeated a what I'm told is a top four team in the Raiders to four. Um, Ollie, you can have first crack at this. Uh, yeah, well, I'll address it straight away that Canberra did field a, a bit of a weaker side in the second half compared to the first half, which may have contributed a little bit to just how easily the Tigers were able to run away with this game in the second half. Um, but Adam Dewey looked absolutely amazing in this game. Now, I know I've been sceptical about how they let Jackson Hastings go and now they're they're back with the problem that they were for the five years before that and that's what to do with Luke Brooks and um, the pressure that will be on Luke Brooks. Well, if Adam Dewey can consistently put in a performance like that, uh, I don't think it's going to be enough to sort of beat your better sides in the competition, but definitely the sides that they're sort of going to need to beat to maybe not make the the bottom four or to have that sort of respectable finish. I think if he can put that out, then they should be fine in doing that. I was impressed by our junior uh, Tupo as well. I thought he had a great game coming on. I thought Papi and Clemmer were fine, but I, I think a lot of it... Um, and we don't say this a lot about the Tigers, but their back five was solid, especially in an attack. They were uh, amazing. And I think it was the service that Dewey was able to give them out of 5'8". Um, and again, I've addressed this last year as well, and I went and looked at the stats today, but when you're a team and you've only got one player, and again, I get it's because they took some players off at half time, but when you've only got one player, gaining over 100 metres in the game. It's very hard to win the the footy game. And I believe that was Matt Tomoko was the only one for Canberra to get over 100 metres. And especially when I think every single one of the Tigers back five gained at least 100 metres. Well, you're going to be in for a bit of a tough day there. Um, highlight of the game for me was Jack White and completely forgetting what a, a football looked like and being scared. <laughs> 
that ball. We were watching the game at the Gums together and got a bit of a laugh out of it. And it, actually, it. It wasn't that he sort of had a late reaction and then tried to catch the ball. It seemed like he looked at the ball, looked at the pass coming and decided, I'm going to try and avoid this and sort of try to move out of the way. And that, that just seemed... <laughs> it was all right. He literally looked at the football and went, what the fuck is that? And <laughs> just let it in him. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, it's quite um, a good but, ball, too. Anyway, that was honestly probably Canberra's highlight or low light <laughs> for the game. Um, someone else I want to mention as well, Alex Twal, um, of course, coming back as well this season from an injury last year, too. Um, and he was great before um, he was out as well. Um, a, a good performance from him here. He will score a try this year. <laughs> Convinced. Um, I was pretty happy with the Tigers. Defence overall, uh, I want to caveat by saying, look, Raiders had a good 20 minutes at the start on where they were in attacking Yeah, 20 position, minutes, half an hour. And yeah. their attack looked pretty average, I thought. Uh, and in that time, they did have their full-strength team on the field. I I was, uh, obviously, like I said, I was happy, but they, when you look back on it, they, didn't, they didn't ask any questions, did they? Um, I don't know what to say about the Raiders. They, they felt sluggish. They, I know they played a different backline to the week before, but they still had the same problems. I think they... Felt a bit slow at times. Uh, some of these guys, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, there wasn't any creativity. Puppy had a couple of okay runs. Tapane tried, did try very hard as he does. I can't. So really... he, so he took, but what did he take? Puppy off after twenty and Tapane off after twenty-five minutes. Yeah, and they were not competitive again. No, that was it. Yeah, that was so... pretty much it. Um, yeah, I, I was happy with the Tigers. Obviously, they looked um, a happy team, as I said, opposed to to the Dragons and what we saw the Tigers last year. But um, it was great to see... Look, it was great to see Clemmer ball playing. He thought it was Pat Carrigan for a bit through the middle, throwing it around at first receiver at times. Uh, I But I liked what I saw. Maybe he's going to take Luke Brooks. He might. Um, <laughs> I, I think what we're going to see realistically, and, and now we will know soon... And, and actually, in fairness, um, Wakeham was 100 times better than the week before. He looked pretty good now. He's at a big train. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're going to see Dewey play as the dominant half and Brooks will... Um, be sniffing around offloads and just try It'd to... It'd be better for Brooks. 100%. percent We'll see some... Um, back to what you see of Luke Brooks is some sort of inside-out grubbers for the fullback and plays like that as opposed to trying to be a fullback that's going to just... Running at an edge. It, yeah, yeah. Right, and hoiking it up on the field, uh, on the last. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think we'll see a better Luke Brooks this year. But um, Simpkins has looked great both games. He looks, as I said earlier, a different player. And I really liked what I saw, as, as you said, about the back five. And the back five all looks stronger. Um, Naden looks broader and bigger and stronger. Uh, That's bigger than the looks yeah. like a monster. I thought it was Matamua when he scored that try. <laughs> he was um, massive out wide there. Uh, and it was a better hit out for Tommy Talao. So I think um, pace and size in your back line is, is a big thing, as I've said a couple of times tonight. And, and they've now got it. They have to turn up and play first grade next week. But... Uh, yeah, exciting times. It's uh, it's refreshing, at least for now, I'd say, Barn. What did you take from this? Yeah, well, the Raiders will be better when Tarpane and Papa Lee are playing an hour and 80 minutes with, with them. They'll, they'll definitely make a bit of a difference, stiffen up that middle of the field. But as you mentioned, their outside backs look slow. Uh, their halves look very uncreative. Uh, like, Fogarty tried really hard um, and did have a couple of nice touches. And young Sami Solo played quite well through the middle of the field for the Raiders yes. as well. But um, other than those two, mate, they, they, that was a very poor performance out of this Raiders team. 
Um, Levi looked, had a couple of flashes there. It looks like he may even take over that hooking role. I'm not sure about what's happening with Warford, but um, <clears throat> he, did, he did look um, quite fit and good in there. And Tomoko was the best of their outside backs. But, um, yeah, there's issues. There's quite a lot of issues in this Raiders team. And um, you don't have to look real hard to find them, I don't think, to be honest. Like, you look at that second rotation of forwards once Tarpane and um, Papali'i went off the field, they didn't look competitive whatsoever in the middle of the field. I think it speaks for itself that they've now gone back and over. dragged Emre Guler out of nowhere when they didn't want to do with him last year. <laughs> uh, and yeah. no, no disrespect to him because he does a fair enough job. But they've had to move. You know, Horsburgh's going to have good games, but yeah, yeah. There's there's a there's a depth issue in the middle of the field for the Raiders for sure, and their outside backs. Um, they they've got a decent seventeen, and if the, that seventeen have a good week, they'll win. But as soon as they start going towards the, any depth in this team, they're they're probably one of the teams with the le- least amount of depth that I can see out of a lot of. Um, Tigers were, yeah, you, you mentioned pretty much everyone um, from the Tigers that I wanted to mention. Junior Tupu, both of you boys have mentioned him. I thought he was outstanding. And I'd, be, start, I'd be playing him. I'd be starting him. Apart from Dewey, close to the best player on the field. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's uh, locked up that spot now. And I don't think anyone mentioned Alex Safer, but I thought he was fantastic as well. Did a lot of work in the middle of the field. He, he loves that stuff that nobody else wants to do. And yeah. You need a bloke in there that does that constantly puts his head where you wouldn't put your feet and all the rest of that kind of stuff. And yes, no, he's, um, he was fantastic. But, uh, yeah, Connor's ball playing was, uh, outstanding actually. Um, haven't seen him play like that for a long time back when he was, um, when he first came into the New South Wales team, he, he used to do a fair bit of ball playing and offloading, but, um, yeah, he hasn't done that for a long time. And, if it's going to be encouraged in this Tigers team, I think he had a fantastic year last year and he may even be better again this year. Especially, yeah, even, and I think he's the second best, third best super coach prop and if he's throwing in an extra yeah. three or four offloads under your point tally, cool. Right. And they've made a point of making him the, the forward leader they keep hammering at, so I, I hope he has a great year, obviously. Um, yeah, I was like, I, I would be going with Tupo. Uh, I imagine he's similar. And um, I, I imagine no Flume is incumbent, but I, I wouldn't be unhappy to see him just start stains in a wing. I thought he was pretty good too. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what next week brings. Uh, anything else from this? Oh, Hudson Young. Oh, yeah. Hudson Young was good again. Always is. Um, it was a step below his usual performance, but he'll be fantastic for them during the year. And no concerns, Young and Tapane, if you want them in Supercoach? Absolutely not. Um, Tapane is one of the, probably, I, I dare say, be one of the most picked front rowers in the game. He's, he adds a point of difference, too. He's, he's got things that a lot of the front rowers don't have. He's got a step. He can beat blokes. He can bust tackles. And he's got an offload as well. So he'll be one of the best performing props by the end of the year again, I would imagine. You get two the next game, which is 36-16. The Sharks defeated the Bulldogs, and the rising grade for the Bulldogs probably showed them up a little bit, I thought, Barney. Well, they came out flying. Um, they were in front for that first five or ten minutes, but 
it was a, it was a professional performance from the Sharks. I was actually really impressed, to be honest. I know it's only a trial game, but the way they were able to turn them away early for that first 10 or 15 minutes and absorb that pressure, and then they just went about their work. They started carving up through the middle of the field and just putting the dogs on the back foot. Uh, Nico started kicking early, turning them around, keeping the ball in play, which obviously fired out a lot of their players. And It's a game plan that they used for big parts of last year. They like they like to keep the ball in play. Uh, I'm pretty sure they consider themselves as one of the fittest teams in the comp, and they, they like to play that up-tempo football and just grind you down and uh, work you out that way. Um, is quickly becoming one of the biggest shit-talking players in the game. Like the way he gets in a one-on-one and just starts talking rubbish and stirring up his opposition, it's obviously something that gets him going because he generally starts playing well when he starts doing it. But in this one, he was taking on Avrilo and Kiros, and he did it for the entire game, talking rubbish to him. He basically telling him the whole game that he's better than him and he's going to do this and do that. You could see the, the way that they were reacting. And... um. He had a fantastic game. Uh, don't get me wrong, but he's um, he's going to put a lot of people offside. He's obviously one of those guys that um, just pro- like I think needs to get into that niggle to say. Well, um, apparently he's the one of the nicest. I'm sure he is, in the yeah. world. If you listen to people when he's not on the but football field, I'm sure he just field, goes well. Like he's one of those players getting the best out of himself <laughs> to say I'm better than you, motherfucker. Well, it seems to me because he does like a lot of work in the community and that I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure if he's won, but he's been nominated for a couple of Ken Stephan medals. He won the Ken Stevens medal the other year. Yeah, and he, he, like, he obviously does all this stuff outside of the game and is very good with fans and that, that it just seems like he has all this effort and energy put into just being a really good human being that at some point he's just got it. He like, he's <laughs> just going to get it out. Negative energy out and what better place than in his opposition numbers face. So. It's just that one-on-one. He just absolutely loves it. And he just likes to obviously tell the bloke he's playing against that he's better than him and then goes out and tries to prove it. Um, he did. He, he, he bettered both of them in this one. Um, but yeah, I thought the Sharks were pretty much dominant in most aspects of the game. Uh, after 15, 20 minutes, especially through the middle of the field. Uh, this is what I was talking about with the Cowboys in the preview. Their, their defensive line speed is fantastic and their attacking line speed is fantastic. Just the leg drive and speed that they have through the middle of the field. They're a little bit smaller forward pack, but they are mobile as hell. They get in and around the ball and they, the speed that they, they take the ball to the defensive line. Um, but it, they gain two or three metres over most teams just because of the, the leg drive and the speed that they have getting through the middle of the field, which um, obviously just gives more time and space for Nico and um, Moylan to do their thing and set up their outside backs. And there's plenty of strike out there as well. I thought Kennedy was fantastic in this game. That try-saving tackle was tremendous yeah. on Avarillo, um, the way he got in under the ball at the last second. and He obviously had to think about the way he did it. Um, did it fantastic. But, um, yeah, the last 20 minutes or so, the Sharks pulled a lot of their players off and, um, you know, knocked it down a gear or two and the Dogs came back and scored a try or two. Nobody's going to be too upset about that, I don't think. The head knock for kick-out was probably a ter- bit of a turning point for the Dogs as well. Definitely. Um, you look real good. Because they were going there from, <laughs> from the very start of the game. You could see it was going to be a focal point for the majority of the game and he's gonna, he will terrorise some teams during the year. But, um, and he probably would have kept them a little bit closer in this one as well. They, they struggled a bit for creativity again. Obviously, it's been the knock on Flanagan for his entire career. And um, Burton sort of got bogged down a little bit. I 
just I think it was the speed of the Sharks line just getting up and in his face and he took his time away to make the decisions, which um, yeah, really hurt uh, the dogs attacking game. But they weren't really given a platform either. There was nobody kicking down the front door of the Sharks and running through the middle of the field. Um, so it doesn't help when you, you get put in that kind of position. Preston, John Preston, looks probably the best of their forwards again. And mm. pretty sure he's going to sign. He's signed himself into a spot in this 17 going forward. And he may even end up breaking into the, the starting team by the end of the year. Uh, Fatala Mariner and Thompson were, were decent through the middle of the field. And Sutton looks like he's going to add something at different points, uh, depending on how they're playing. But he, he definitely did add something there. And Max King is just, I, I think he's now just stamped himself as probably one of the top, what, 20 front rowers in the comp? Yeah. Like he just gets through, does his work, and does it week in, week out. He's probably not going to burn any team at all, but he's, you know, looked all right. Fadamana Brown added a bit of spark when he came on. And uh, I think Skelton. Uh, came on, played centre. He's probably a better uh, better proposition than Avarillo to play centre. But whether they do that or not, I don't know. But he's got some size about him and a bit of pace, so he may end up finding himself a centre position at some point. Ollie. Uh, well, this game sort of reaffirmed something to me that I said a couple of times last year, and I thought last year on their day, Cronulla's best five for me, is the best in the comp, at least when when they're on watching them play, like even Will Kennedy, and I think Kennedy sort of brings it together a bit. But that was also off the back of, I thought Nico was good, and I thought Matt Moylan was decent in this game as well. And they definitely played their part in um, getting the good ball out there to the edges. Um, it was heartwarming to see Josh Reynolds in a Bulldogs jersey scoring a try at Belmore Oval. I'm not sure if you guys noticed, but the ball boy even ran in. And, he did. Yeah, he was the first one there. <laughs> so um, that was great to see. I'm not sure if the Dogs are playing a game at um, Belmore at some point during the year. They probably are, but I'd love to see. Three ball games, yeah. yeah, the last couple of years they've had a couple of back-to-Belmore things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, I think the the dogs did hang in there for a good while um, until sort of, I'd say, towards the end of the first half and then it just sort of opened up a bit. I know as we're watching the game as well um, together, but Barney, you mentioned a couple of times that it just seemed like it was clear to see that Cronulla had the class there and was simply the better team, but the Bulldogs were just sort of clinging on, it seemed. And they were they were they were having a go and they were trying to keep on their level, but it's, at some point the class just overcomes it. Realistically, this is what we could have been saying about the Dragons if they put in their effort, which was they just got outclassed by a better team, but that's not only what happened. They were objectively very poor in that game. But, but yeah, but the Bulldogs, I, I think they put in the effort probably that should have been put in by the Dragons and they showed that it can be done and there are very promising signs for the Bulldogs heading into this uh, season. But again, um, probably one to seven, realistically, the Sharks were great, especially the back five and the Harbs just did what they needed to in this game. I know Nico can get better. And again, because it's a trial, wasn't at his very best, but I, I'm sure he will be come round one and he was still and good. 20 minutes off as well, which doesn't, doesn't help the stats. Um, yeah, the left-hand edge was okay. Talakai was quite good, I thought. They gave him a little bit more ball this yeah, time. Really uh, but he sort of shoveled it on to Bolotano a few times, which <laughs> led to him scoring tries. That, uh, the, the catch over the top of Avarillo was a, a really nice one on Bolotano as well. But, um, 
Yes, uh, Nico was easily the best on ground. Did it in a bit of a can, and he sort of, I think he packed up at about half time, to be honest. And then they gave him the last 20 off as well. Yeah, well, when you, they took what half the side, most of the side off, as you said, with 20 to go. Yeah. Uh, we talk, I talked earlier about Souths being a constant, but I suppose you've got to say Sharks are too. Sharks are. Looks like it. Yeah, they, that's a, looks like they've come back the same way they left well, before the semis kicked off last year. So. Teague Wilton looked good too, actually, as Ian probably haven't mentioned yet. Um, yeah, Jack Williams. Good. They're, they're good. Back through Nakora. Well, it's funny you bring up those. Two. Oh, so, no, sorry to interrupt, but um, heading into round, heading into round one, Sharks versus Rabbitohs first up. Just looking at the drawn round one, that might be probably the the prediction for maybe game of the round. Just the style of those two teams and what we can expect from those two teams this season. They seem both guaranteed for finals and possibly pushing late into the finals as well. So they'll both be looking for a big start. Yeah. You were, you've, um, you, and you put up, a, I think I saw a graphic again today about how you put up, um, you think Bulldogs are, are nearly a top eight team or in that, that borderline one ahead of some other teams, perhaps by and I've suggested a, a higher. Um, realistically, you watch this game, they're outclassed by the Sharks. They've picked up two players in Kikau and, and Marnie and two good players. I just think, still think there's question marks. I just I'm, I'm not convinced they're suddenly going to burst into this team that's going to win eight straight. Um, well, I, I don't Avarillo think so is an issue. Alamode Al- is going to be a very good player. He's stealing a kid. Uh, Perham looked clunky. Um, better word for it. And um, I'm not sure he's a fullback. To be honest, I think he's a centre or a winger. Mm-hmm. So they've got that that idea. Um, Fox barely touched the ball, and obviously, uh, you know, plan to kick away from him, which is smart. You know. And uh, yeah, Flanagan's, uh, <laughs> Flanagan's um, still a big question mark, and, and I've seen plenty of Bulldogs commentary, Bulldogs fans commentary, already calling for for Reynolds to may as well play seven. Reynolds to play. Uh, yeah. um, so there's still question marks there. Is where I'm going. I don't think necessarily going to drop six I, spots. I think they may. Yeah, at their best, they'll finish 7th or 8th, and at their worst, probably 14th. So they're going to be in and around. I don't think they're finishing the bottom. Um, no, just through either. Just through who they've brought in and the way that the, the, the team looks structured, I think they'll be pretty pretty okay to jump out of that bottom four mark. But, yeah, anywhere between 13th and 8th. I, I think they will get on a run at some point. Maybe not, probably not going to be eight games in a row, but I think there might be a month where they go unbeaten and it might just get them into that eighth position come the end of the year. Ollie. Yeah, well, I, I don't actually think they, if I had to say I'd, I'd tip them to miss the eight, but I feel like they they, they seem set to be that sort of team in and around the periphery, maybe a couple of games off or something. And a lot of it does come down to as well. I think there are a few, a fair few teams beneath them that, that, just don't have that same quality coming in. The halfback position is the big outlier here, I think, and fullback as well. Um, although Hayes Parham, I, I still want to see a little bit from him first um, during the first few weeks of the season. Um, but I just just from what I saw last year and when they were actually able to sort of open up the play a bit and uh, throw the ball around and be a bit less structured, it'll be interesting to see how Serraldo sort of implements that this year with Mick Potter still being there. And I think as well that edge, um, Burton, Kikau and Adokar, I think definitely against your sort of lower table teams, um, 
they're going to be able to exploit some edges um, heavily here and some very weak edge defenses. I mean, my God, I shudder to think about what they're going to do to the Titans when they verse uh, during the season. But uh, I, I think some of it comes down to, to lack of quality with the teams below them um, and who they've brought in and the service out of dummy half from Reed even though Flanagan's not been great, but especially for Burton as well, it's not, it doesn't completely excuse you not having a halfback, but I feel like it does make up for that a little bit. And come to think of it, maybe even for the Tigers as well, especially if Dewey can play as he did the other week with Coruscant in there, that's only going to be beneficial to the Tigers as well, not having that out and out half. So I feel like Reed's going to be quite a big buy for the Bulldogs this year. I'll, I'll be a bit bullish and say maybe even a bit bigger than Kikau, even though I'm expecting Kikau to have a big year as well. But I think a lot of it does come down to these blokes coming into a side that impressed during the second half of last year and being able to build on that. Again, I'm not saying top eight. I'm saying they are a chance. I would not be surprised if they snuck in. I more agree with Barney. I think the the parameters probably more, I'd say eighth to 12th. I'd say I, I'm pretty confident they won't make uh, bottom four either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 we're both on record last week what we what we thought of Reed, so we'll, we'll move on. Uh, anything I'll say is I, I think I've, I've flicked Burton from my super coach. I, He's a bit mid for me at the moment. We'll see if they get hot later in the year. Uh, any other super coaches you want to talk about? Obviously, Nico speaks for himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nico, if you have, to, if you pick him, you have to stick with him for the entire year or are you going to wait probably six weeks and hopefully he drops a bit of money early at the season and then you can pick him up a little bit later? Um, yeah, I, I mentioned Jack Williams and Teague Wilton. They're probably someone worth looking at for... Um, Maybe a bench spot in your, in your back row. Uh, Braley's not going to set the world on fire, but if you're just looking for a steady, maybe backup hooker, but he's probably priced out of it, to be honest. Um, someone like uh, Keo Iro, if he gets a spot down during the year through injury, he's someone you definitely want to snap up as soon as. If he looks like he's going to get a run of three or four games in a row, then you'd be buying him straight away. Um, if he gets a spot, Mulatano is probably, if you're looking for a, a, a winger that's going to score a lot, of, I, as I mentioned earlier in the year, I think he's going to go close to being one of the best wingers in the game by the end of this season. So uh, barring injury, I think he's someone that you might want to pick up and then you'll, he's going to be a focal point of the attack for the Sharks. So someone that you, I think you could rely on for a majority of the time. The forwards are all sort of, they're much of a muchness. They're going to be, Competitive, but they're probably not going to be better than a lot of other players that you can pick out of other teams. The dogs kick out someone that you, they he will be a focal point for the dogs. Um, they will be going there constantly, and he probably will score a lot of tries this season. So there will be games that where he'll get boosted, boosted scores. Um, if Fox moves to fullback at some time during the year, which I know there's been speculation now for more than a year of him going back there, but for mine, as I said, I think they'd probably be better suited to put Parham on the wing and move Fox back to fullback. Mm. And if that happens, uh, it'd probably be worth looking at. But um, yeah, I'm not sure there's Max King as a backup front row as someone that you probably want to put into your team. But yeah, there's not probably a great deal more that I'd be looking at out of the Bulldogs. And we wrap up the, the round with 40-16, to 16, the Titans. Welcome the newbies to the comp. And Ollie, you can have the first crack at it. Uh, well, Tino really needs to step up, doesn't he? I, I think he was under, 
atrocious in this one. No, Tino, Tino was very good in this game. Shock and horror. But um, uh, someone I do want to mention straight off the bat because I've been very critical of him pretty much ever since he started playing first grade. But a good game, I think, from Tana Boyd. And if he's yes. going to be starting this year, we're going to the boy the Titans are going to need him to to be performing. And if he can put that up. Uh, alongside Foran, who again I don't think Foran went all out, and I do not want him to be going that in a in a trial. Um, based off of his history, I thought uh, Verrills was good as well. Um, I've got here uh, Young P- Pereira, obviously the the person who everyone's talking about coming out of this game, scoring four tries. I've got here if he can make at least two tackles a game and miss less than eighteen, he can start because then he's already better than the rest of um, the other ones that we've got. Um, the, but the back five as a whole for the Titans, including the ones that I like to bag, at least in attack, were amazing. And I guess the story is going to be the same for the Titans this year as it has been the past couple of years. They were able to execute it a bit better in 2021 than they were in 2022. But the Titans are a horrible defensive team, but they do have r- really good attacking in them and they can score points. And for them, I think this year it's going to be high scoring games and it's just going to be if they can outscore their opponents. There were some games that broke my heart last year where they lost games, what, 40 to 38 or something, something like that. Um, but if they can get their, at least their attack down pat, um, they should hopefully be winning some of these shootouts. I guess you could say um, AJ just seemed to pop up everywhere. Sometimes a dummy half, um, great support play as well from AJ. I thought he was terrific. Um, for feeder, uh, I've got to mention, I thought he was good. Obviously that, um, that runaway that he got sort of built up his meters a fair bit. Uh, Firmal was solid. Uh, most of the Titans side was good, but I don't I don't think that the Dolphins were too great at all. And I feel like not maybe to the same extent entirely, but sort of that Rabbitohs Dragons game, they were the Titans were able to to look great in attack because the defense from the Dolphins ultimately was poor. Uh, I think, but I, I can't really complain. Pereira looks like a, a promising prospect and I wouldn't mind if he got a crack uh, first up. The Titans do have options there with Sammy able to play on the wing or in the centre as well. I think Shoop will start in the centres definitely as well. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the way that Jojo uh, Fafita looked as well. So again, all positive sides signs so far, but got to take it with the grain of salt, not only that it's a trial, but also I think the Dolphins were pretty poor. I like. I agree with you said about Tanner Boyd, and I, I like the spine. I think um, a couple of running options there. Well, all of them are pretty much running halves, and running half to running half looked pretty good here. Uh, and our biggest concern when we did the preview was their backline, and they've got a back five that looks completely different to what they had last year. So you, they have addressed it. Uh, you've got two outside backs with size and pace, and you've got Shoop who, who adds a little bit Is of both. A defensive setup. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So. Um, our big, or at least my big negatives coming into the year, they've they've addressed or tried to address, and right now you got to say they've done a pretty good job with it. Um, and yeah, to see Tino, Jolof, and Fafita all have high high meters, and Mo, another hundred and twenty off the bench, you know, you at least you know what you get there. Um, so that was the other concern, size of the you know the bench, and you know, Joe Simpson added to this team gives you at least a big body, and McIntyre do a job, so. They've addressed a lot of my concerns, at least, to start with, Barn. What were you ta- what was your take? Yeah, they've addressed a lot of mine as well, but I, I still think that um, they were flattered a fair bit by, 100%. The, by the Dolphins' defence, not just on the edges, and quite glaringly through the middle as well, which I didn't expect um, to come from this Dolphins team. Uh, I thought their defence in the middle would be at least a little bit better. But, um, 
Titans look slick. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Ford looked a million bucks. He looked fitter than I've seen him for a long time. His ball playing was quite good. He he only got involved when he had to. He could have had a much bigger part to play in this game, but he didn't really need to, so he just sat back and let um, <laughs> let Tanner Boyd take over. Tanner looked quite good running the ball. It's still an issue for me um, with their, their last tackle options kind of cause a few problems for this team. Um, I'm not sure they've got an out-and-out uh, brilliant kicker in the team, so the, the end of sets is going to be a little bit of an Probably issue. showed when uh, Jaden Campbell was doing a lot of that. Yeah, came on. absolutely. I know, I know that's um, gone off, but yeah. They now have two athletic young wingers that are just natural try scorers by the look of them. Jojo Fafita and uh, Carl Pereira both look like just natural finishes on, on an edge, so you get them... Uh, a half a one-on-one chance, I think they're going to convert half of those. So that only adds points to a team that already could score points. Um, Shoot is yeah, a much better defender than anyone that they've had in the centres for the last few, few years. So that sort of narrows down a few um, points of attack for the opposition realistically. So um, whoever's on the in the opposite centre to Shoot is probably going to get a lot of traffic sent his way. <laughs> um, during the season, because I think they'll choose to rather go that way than go at shoot. Don't get me wrong, they'll test both sides of the field, but yeah, I can see the other side opening up more than uh, shoot side will. They look like a well-oiled machine at times. Verrill's Verrill's service was fantastic. Um, he got the forwards onto the ball. They look like a different team to the team that was running around the week before playing the Cowboys. I know they um, know they did push the Cowboys last week, but they they looked so much better in this game. Yeah, Beryls, Beryls and Foran made this team look like a much better ball-playing team than the one that was out there the week before. As for the Dolphins, mate, look, Kenny Bromwich did his job, so did Nichols. They've been there for years and they've done their job every week. You know, It's what you expect. Jeremy Marshall King was probably the best of, best of the forwards and probably close to the best of the players for the Dolphins. Solomon did a decent job. He tried really hard. But um, the more I see of Anthony Milton, oh, the more I'm convinced that the bloke should be nowhere near a first-grade team. I, they should just pull the trigger on Katoa, to be honest. I've been saying it for three or four years. Obviously, they want to blood the kids slowly. Um, I, I can't see Milford lasting more than three or four weeks, but who knows? Um, Benny seems to love him and may keep him there for half the season. But... Um, Katoa didn't look that much better either, though, to be honest, when he did get on there. There's probably some nerves there, and he is only a young kid, but um, Milford was, was not good. I thought uh, Wallace was probably the best of the forwards, and SASA put in a decent stint for the Dolphins. Um, but, yeah, their outside backs were all over the shop. Considering you've got blokes like Hamaso, uh, Izako, Tessie, you that all had big wraps on them at different places and Broncos and wherever, and then they, you come and put them all together, and they just look like a rabble. And I they understand. Look, no idea it, where it they were. Literally, the first time they played together, like, but <laughs> you'd have thought at least something more would come from that. Like they've been playing, you know, you played centre for yeah. your majority of your, the time you played footy. You played wing or you played fullback. Like you should know where you are. And, yeah. How you're trying to defend against someone who's running. Like, it's not like some, there's a bloke out there doing bucket circles and he's 10 <laughs> times faster than anybody on the field. Yeah. Like, they're running pretty much the same lines that everybody else runs every week and they just got showed up massively, like, horribly in defence. And 
it's probably been the biggest knock on all the three that I mentioned and pretty much anybody else in that back five. While they may have some talent in attack and they, they look like they can do some good things with ball in hand, it's always been their issue has been defence. So Titans may not be the worst um, outside backs defence this year <laughs> if the oh. Dolphins are going to be in the comp. So I can see a lot, a lot of points being put on. If they're, they're going to play like that with Sarko, testing you, Hammerside, out there trying to defend on the on the edges, the Dolphins could concede a lot of points through the centres and the wings this year. And it was at times, even the and I hate to say it, but that forward pack at times looked old. Yeah, it looks like it. it uh, simple as that. Like they they're not a quick forward pack, they're not a mobile forward pack. Um, Kenny was probably the best of them, and you know, it. I don't know. It's um yeah, I agree with what you said. Old um, and the youngsters look. I'm. I'm still sort of impressed by Bostock. Looks like he'll get a start with uh, apparently Edric Lee's injured. Yep. Um, so I'm probably a super coach sniff there. Now, the other super coach spruik of the year, Valence Tawari, came on the field halfway <coughs> through. And I dead set thought one of the reserve grade props had wandered out to the wing because the bloke looked like he'd skipped half a preseason. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say it. But um, he was cooked after about three minutes and then blooded out in the wing after that and then had Pereira run straight past him twice so um, not for me yet but uh, <laughs> put it that way but um, for the spruik on him I was don't know what I was expecting but it wasn't that anyway. yeah well, he obviously scored a few tries last year just running over the top of people because he definitely wasn't beating them on the outside or with pace no um, yeah, so if, well, if you, you're talking super coach, Carl Pereira, if he gets a spot in yeah, this team, he's someone that you're going to be putting in your centre wing straight away because if he has one game where he scores three or four tries, he makes you 50 to 100 grand straight away if he's a bottom yeah. dollar player coming out of it. Jojo's another one. He'll be, he's going to be a little bit more expensive because he was a little bit exposed, obviously, last year. But someone that probably will score points and score you some um, and pick up some money during the year. David Feed is a funny one. He's hit and miss. He'll have games where he'll score 150 and he'll have games where he might get 30 because he's not going to have a crack. Uh, Wallace is probably going to be the leader for the Dolphins team, so he's going to average at least what he's fostered at and more. I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of lifts his average up to somewhere 60-65 and probably a, a good shout for a front row position for the Dolphins. Um, Sullivan as a backup fullback, uh, backup halfback, because there will be games where the Dolphins are half decent. He'll be he'll be the only one that's setting up points for this side. So I can't see Milford doing it. Yeah, it may take Katoa a couple of weeks before he gets up and running when they finally give him, decide to give him a start. So um, yeah, he might be someone you might look at, but yeah, it's just, I'm not one hundred percent sure. Jeremy Marsh King probably someone that you could lock in as a second hooker. Coming out of the Dolphins because you know he's going to do a job most weeks. No, super standouts, apart from probably the wingers from the Titans. Fine, Tino, fucking Tino, set and forget. Just buy him, put him in your front row, or just back row, and just fucking leave him there for the year. Yeah. Ollie, you must be feeling good. I know you're naturally such an optimistic person when it comes to the Titans. You, um, <laughs> you must be feeling pretty good. Well, here's the thing that if we've learned anything, it's um. Obviously, social media is always right. Yeah. And I've also been checking social media because I want to know exactly what's going to happen this NR- NRL season so I can bet yeah, on it right. and make lots of money. Of course, I'm not actually um, telling anyone to go out and bet based off of social media. However, if social media is correct, 
then one thing is we should base all of our predictions off of what happened during the trials because I've especially seen today some people give certain uh, bits of advice and predictions based off of the two games that we've seen from every club so far in the trials. And two, um, obviously social media has told us that Canberra's making the top four. So if we're basing everything off what we've seen in the trials, plus Canberra's making the top four, then surely it's a Titans-Tigers grand final, right? Because if Canberra's making the top four and we're basing everything off of how teams did during the trials, then uh, I think we might be happy days. I mean, um, well, that's it. But that's our wrap through all of that. So have we got so next week well, we've got our preview coming up. Um, yes. After that, we get back to our uh, weekly shows and we review everything from the first round. We do have the return of all our normal segments. We'll have a salute, a slap, a pop plan of the week uh, for those that have just chimed in. That's for the the player of the round that could have been replaced by a pop plant and it would have done at least as good a job. Uh, for example, one A. Milford might have fit that role this week. Uh, we'll have the return of the disaster class, the punning disaster class, and I promise you uh, we will not ask any wealthy investors to invest into any of it. We will just <laughs> put tips out there ourselves and um, hopefully make some money along the way ourselves. And what else do we normally do? Do we have any salutes and slaps and shit this week? No, I've got, got a bonus salute. Andrew Voss throwing oh. out the Rugby League live line <laughs> as we headed into the Golden Point did make me laugh, Oliver. Well, Andrew Voss, I think, deserves a round of applause because, and I'm so happy for him because calling that World Club Challenge game, he just seems so happy and and full of life to the point where it made me chuckle where he said, um, he said are we going to see uh, a draw between the two Queensland clubs, uh, the two Queensland games this week like we saw last week and Brandy said probably not and he goes oh you're no fun it was just that and again I've said it during last year as well it's just sometimes Fossey's off-handed comments that just come out are the ones that make me laugh the most and I had a good chuckle over that one it was on a bit of a tear he obviously enjoyed himself at the World Cup because I don't know how many times he mentioned the fucking Chinese joint the fish and chip shop that was around a corner (laughs) (laughs) one of the stadiums he stayed at there there is no better Voss than Andrew Voss and it um I know a bit of Vossier than Andrew Voss. I'm sure there's lots of other nice Vosses around. Vosses. Or Vosser family is probably very nice. <laughs> but um, Andrew in particular, and he gets his own irony, and, uh, and I like that he leans into it, so it, it makes me He's laugh. He's just an absolute fan. He's a nutbag and yeah. loves his footy. He just comes through with his commentary, which is good Almost to see. As if someone should give him a show called The Fan or something. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. Write that down, Ollie. Um, <laughs> beauty. Well, that's it, I guess. Anything you want to add? Check out rugbyleaguemerch.com. Buy our hats. Buy our shirts. By our uh, steins and everything else going on there, coffee mugs, uh, and uh, sign up to our tipping comp on social media through Instagram and Facebook. You'll find PCTC tipping comps there. The rugby league comp is the NRL comp is live amongst the many many other comps there. Um, so check them out and jump on board with that. Thousand comps. Yeah, and just for the super coach fanatics, we'll probably go a little bit. We've only got a the preview to do next week so we might have a little bit more of a look and um, an opinion on a few of the players coming in for Supercoach mm. next year and uh, just, for the round one just for those that um don't play Supercoach we we don't tend to hammer it as much as we have pre-season but there's you know, no, no. once, once the season's before. up and going uh, you might throw a name here and there but that's about it yeah I'll use that segment as my toilet break next week <laughs> good we also have a spot now, league, because Ollie's good kicked out after that comment. But 
Cool. All right. We're just waffling now. So thanks for listening. Um, we are. Leave some commentary on social media across all platforms as well as on YouTube. Take care, guys, and we'll be back next, uh, probably next Wednesday night if I was going to hazard a guess. Yeah, middle of the week. To somewhere. preview round one of the National Rugby League. Bye-bye. Night, everyone.